From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. So we thank her for filling in on the anchor's desk. Kwai Snyder, thank you for joining us. Mugwam over on Twitch, nice to see you. Thank you for coming on in. And uh, let's see here. Uh, let's call the next strand. Nice to have you back. Mama Loss, Lotus, welcome to SOR chat. And uh, where are we here? I think we're caught. Oh, there's Bielzebrad. Bielzebrad has a devil put aside for me. You know how it goes. Dim de dim. One of my favorite names to say. 405er, good to see you. We got Jim Goodall tonight. You guys are in for a treat for the next couple of hours. That is for sure. We're 29 seconds from going. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Hit that uh, subscribe button. Ring that bell. We are here seven days a week for your listening entertainment, and we love it that you are. our numbers are going up. All thanks to you guys. Hi, Obi Flett and Les Paul Holland. And uh, we're going to get going here, everyone. It is that time of the night where I ask you to put your horns up. Let's rock. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com we have a plethora of features for you rock out bumblefoot read shirky poos newswire check out our swag as well tonight's show is brought to you by chive charities help make the world 10 percent happier by visiting chive charities today you can find them on our website a power show for you tonight legendary author jim goodall of aviation history is here to talk about the b-21 raider and other secret projects flying our friendly skies then in hour number three we're going to head to the swamp our resident swamp dweller is back for another spooky story then of course little timbit tim senor will be here for the ufo report and i'll bring you the news as well all right Let's kick it off here. If you haven't ever heard of Jim Goodall, you are in for a treat tonight. For over 35 years, Jim has authored more than two dozen books. I think he's around 28 or 29 now on articles as well on military aircraft, naval ships, and submarines with a focus on low observables, otherwise known as stealth. When it comes to aviation, Jim was the first person in history as a civilian 
to photograph the F-117 stealth fighter. He has intimately photographed the B-2 stealth fighter and his main project, the A-12 and the SR-71. His babies going back for 50 years that he has absolutely loved. And you know what? If you have an aviation question like we do tonight, there's only one person you can bring in, and that is Jim Goodall. And Jim, thank you so much for coming on Spaced Out Radio again, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. And Dave, it's always a delight to, to listen to you. I don't always get a chance to come on, you know, come on board. Uh, you know, I have, the, because I do a lot of writing, I spend time in front of my computer. In the evenings, uh, the boss says, you got to spend time with, uh, with me and the dog. So I, you know, generally I can, I come on, uh, to listen to you after she's gone to bed. So it's a pleasure to be on. I, uh, you're one of my favorite guys on, Thank you. Uh, on, in this marketplace. Uh, you are the golden voice of central British Columbia. And I am honored to be your friend. I'm delighted also. Well, I'm excited for our audience who, you know, we've been talking the last couple of months about our 2023 Las Vegas fan party. You came to our fan party this year, earlier on with Michael Schratt, and I hope you'll bring Michael again this year. Michael said he's coming. Perfect. So, you know, the fact that our audience got to meet with you and Michael and hang out with you guys, and you're going to do it all again for our audience at the Golden Nugget May 19th through 21st, that means a lot to me, Jim. Thank you so much for caring about me, Spaced Out Radio, our entire team, and and most importantly, our listeners, uh, for you to come on down and hang out with us. I have, you know, I'm 77. I've been I've been at this for a long time, uh, as far as snooping on the government. But it, it's this group of characters. That's about the only way I can describe the, uh, things that go bump in the night. Group the uh, UFOs, the Bigfoot. I absolutely feel as welcome here as I have ever felt anywhere, and I, and I just I enjoy it. I, I it's just a lot of fun. I uh, I'm not I'm not in it for fame or fortune. I've been married too many times for fortune, and I, rather than fame, it's infamy. Um, you know, I've been uh, uh, I've been a pain in the rear to a lot of people in the federal government for a long time, and. Um, Thankfully, they have chosen to leave me alone because <laughs> I'd hate to have a you know, knock on the door at you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, which I've had. I had one. Actually, it was 5.15. And uh, it was two Navy guys from NCIS. And he said, you're asking questions. I want to know why. And I said, well, I want to know why you're here. I asked a question to a three-star general about the paint scheme on a Marine airplane. And they sent you guys at 5.15 in the morning, I said, come in and I'll fix you a cup of coffee and I'll show you something that you're concerned about if, you know, if uh, I was doing something I shouldn't. And you can see it just below my shoulder. It says SR-71 Pilot's Manual. If I would have had that in the 1980s, you know, they could, you know, they could throw me, you know, throw me in jail, throw away the key. And now you can uh, you can go to the local muse- you know the local aviation museum if you're lucky enough to be near one and actually touch one or see one or get one get up close and personal. I was I was blessed to see one when I was 18. That was a long 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 time ago. Uh, but I I just I really enjoy virtually uh, 
everybody you have on. I, I love science, Bob, you know, Tim, your, your, all your group, everybody. It's just, and I'm, and I'm honored to be on. I mean, I really am. And I didn't, I really didn't get into this community until March of 2020. And that's when I met Dave for the very first time. And I know the moment I met Mr. You know, Mr. Dave Scott, it was like meeting an old friend for the very first time. And I'm delighted and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you in, uh, in you know, Las Vegas. Uh, actually, Las Vegas is, wouldn't, wouldn't be my ideal place to, you know, to go since I don't drink and I don't gamble. But I, but I do love people watching. And there were, there were some characters wandering around uh, the Gold Nugget. Oh yeah, I swear they. I swear there was an escapee at the local insane asylum and the local zoo, and maybe an, even an alien landing somewhere. There were a couple of people walked through. You had to, you had to go like you had to rub your eyes and said, "I didn't see that, did I?" And yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> so, uh, um, you make it fun, Jim. You really do uh, make it a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, thank you for taking, uh, you know, a a small-town Canadian boy like myself under your wings. And I mean that pun directly. And, uh, you know, for teaching me and and, uh, everything that you've known. And and you've done that with so many in this community over the last few years. I mean, we've all benefited, Jim. We have all benefited from your knowledge and, and your candid you know, friendship that, I mean, the one thing that I've learned about Jim Goodall is that, you know, the minute he shakes your hand, he knows what kind of person you are. And if you're a good person, you're a friend for life. And, uh, Jim yep. and Jim, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people cut from that cloth anymore, you know, in today's social media age. But I just wanted to say, you know, it, it is for those of us who you have blessed, uh, with your friendship, it, it really is a true honor to, to be here with you, man. Oh, it's a two-way street. I feel equally as honored and blessed. I don't. I'm not a type of person who gathers or collects friends. I have. I know thousands of people, but I only have a handful of people that that I I feel close to. You're one of them. Michael Shred is one of them. You know, I lost one here. You know, this last March when John Lear passed away. Uh, it's a it's a very small select group of people and i'm i'm honored to be i'm honored to be your friend well i appreciate that we're going to kill the yeah. love in now though because uh, okay screw you then yeah, yeah, yeah do something yeah. else <laughs> yeah. yeah jeez i mean let's let's take your corvette up to uh, about third gear now out of the six and, and, yeah. and you know your love of aviation goes way back to you know damn near world war ii where you saw a bunch of bombers flying by in in san francisco and i know you've told that story here on the air but today what we see is a lot more advanced aircraft coming out i mean let's go back to when you photographed the f-117 stealth fighter you were the first civilian (laughs) to do this yeah what happened there how did you catch that shot well, uh, first of all, I got to preface by the fact that uh, John Lear was a friend of mine for almost 50 years. He passed away this last March. And on the uh, 11th of November, 1988, the Air Force uh, announced the existence of the stealth fighter, the Lockheed F-117. 
And uh, it had been flying since 1981. So, you know, it had been flying for seven years, by the time, you know, seven and a half years when they finally admitted its existence. And I, you know, it was rumored to be flying out of a place called TTR, Tonopah Test Range. So I called up John Lear and I say, hey, Lear, he says, uh, I'm going to be coming into Las Vegas uh, next week, which will be the first week of January of 89. And he said, let's see if we can go find it and see if we can go find that base. So flew into Las Vegas, you know, uh, John and I jumped in, um, we ran heading north on US 95. And about two thirds of the way between Las Vegas and Tonopah is a, a little uh, place called Scotty's Junction. And the reason I mentioned that is Scotty's Junction was the location of a legal house of prostitution or horror house, whatever you want to call it. And they didn't pay their taxes, and the government took it over, and they ran out of, ran it out of business. I don't know how you managed to do that. But uh, about 15 miles north of Scotty's Junction, an F-117 flew over about 1,500 feet above the road at about 45-degree angles. It zipped across, and I almost crashed the car. I mean, it was unbelievable. So we get into Tonopah. We grab a quick bite at the station house, and we head out uh, east on US-6. You go about 16 miles, and there's a big sign that says Tonopah Test Range. And you go down this real wide two-lane road for 18 miles, and you come up to a gate, and it is the gate to TTR. The uh, man camp is up in that area, but the base is eight miles away. So we just, uh, Lair and I just drove down the uh, north end, Fence line, which is on public lands. There's nothing they can do about it. You know, they can complain, they can harass you, but you're free to do whatever you want when you're on that property. It's owned by the federal government, which is us. So we were about two miles down the fence line, and we got out. And this is before digital cameras, so I was using color print film. Normally, I shot Kodachrome, which is slides, but that would take too long to get it processed if I got something very, very unique. So I was using Kodacolor 100. Now, I had a Nikon, and I had some real good Nikon uh, zoom lens. And I look way to the north, and about 15, 18 miles out uh, on a long approach, which I believe was an F-117 and a photo chase. It was a, a, a black fuzzy ball with a little light underneath, and then a smaller bluish white with a little dot underneath. And uh, so I get my camera out, I'm all ready, and as the... F-117's coming into me, and he's filming up the viewfinder. My body starts vibrating. It's like I'm a 10-year-old boy seeing a naked woman. Not a girl, a naked woman for the first time. And my body is going like this. And I'm thinking, come on, calm down, good all. you got to get a, at least one decent shot. <laughs> so I went through all 36, 37 experts. And I said, Laird, let's get, let's get back to Las Vegas so I can get this thing uh, processed. And... If you have white hair like, like Dave and myself, you've probably heard of photo mats. I don't know if they had them in Canada, but they're all they over did. the States. They did. And they were, if you went into a parking lot of a shopping center, a grocery store, or whatever, there was a little kiosk, much like the baristas selling coffee today, and you would drop off your film. You wouldn't even have to get out of your car. You reach over, drop it in, you know, you know, get an envelope, fill out, drop it in, and off you go. Go back the next day. So I knew I, you know, uh, by the time we got back to Las Vegas, the photo mats would be closed. I had to wait till the next day, and I wasn't happy about that. 
So uh, we head on out. We stop the little alien for a quick bite. We get back to Las Vegas about, uh, you know, about quarter after nine in the evening. And Lear said, hey, I got a new friend just moved here from Albuquerque. I think you'll enjoy him. And about 10 minutes later, the door knocked, you know, knocking the door. And uh, he comes into John's study. John had an incredible study. There wasn't any more room on the walls to put photos or certificates. Uh, it was about a 30 by 30 room. Unbelievable. Uh, and the young man that came in, he's interviewing for a job out in the desert. Now, this is January of 89. His name is Bob Lazar. <laughs> Bob Lazar. Bill Bob Lazar. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I told him, you know, after shooting the bull for a bit, I told him what my dilemma was. I have the shots of the F-117. I'm the first guy outside of the industry or, or the spooky programs to do it. And he said, well, I have a processing unit at home. Let's jump in my car. He lived over in West Charleston. And it's the other side of town from Lear's place. So we, you know, we jump in his car and we're about a block away from Lear's place. And he looks at me. He said, you know, I feel sorry for that, that son of a bitch Lear. I said, what do you mean? He said, that dumb idiot said, he believes in UFOs. My God, he's from this world famous aviation family. And, I mean, his dad brought, you know, gave Learjet to the world. And, and, and Lear is into UFOs. I see he's an idiot. You know, so you got to be kidding. And he says, I'm a nuclear physicist. If I can't prove it mathematically or put my hands on it, it doesn't exist. And again, you couldn't put a gun to my head to force me to, you know, to accept the fact that UFOs were real. Well, fast forward about a year or so, and guess who's silhouetted talking, you know, as a name of Jared, talking about doing reverse engineering on alien spacecraft. And that's Bob Lazar. So that's how I uh, photographed the first F-117. It turns out 36 exposures, uh, six or seven of them were still pretty sharp. And I didn't have any sharpening software like I have today. And, you know, I made, the, I made uh, Aviation Week. I made about 25 uh, different magazines around the world. When, when you get a picture made, like that, Jim, and you, you, th- you believe you're the first one, which you're credited for that, I believe. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what do you do? I mean, uh, you know, back then there is no Internet to spread it around. How all of a sudden did you make that photograph go viral? It just, I mean, the word went out that's, you know, some guy lives in Minnesota. That's where I used to call home. Uh, has a couple of really good shots of the F-117. I made the front cover of Coco Fan. Coco Fan is a Japanese language uh, aviation book. And I think I'm one of the very first non-Japanese photographers to make the front cover. Wow. And it was a terrible photograph. I mean, it was grainy and had a bottom view of it. But that was the best. I mean, no one knew, no one really knew what it looked like other than that one terrible photo that they released, which was backlit, shot with a telephoto, so it was compressed. So you didn't know what the wing sweep was and whatever. So, uh, but that just, you know, just uh, led from one thing to another. And then my boss, uh, Brigadier General, Pat Boab calls me into the office on a, I was in the Air Guard. I had five years active duty, a 10-year break, and then 21 years for the Minnesota Air Guard as a wing historian. And Pat calls me into his office. And he said, Jim, I says, uh, he says, I have a guy I fly with at Northwest Airlines. Uh, he was the 15th guy to fly the F-117. You want to interview him? 
I think I was chosen by the Air Force or Department of Defense using uh, General Boab as a conduit for me to get the word out what the F-117 was all about. So uh, Nice. My, that, that book, uh, I sold... I co-authored it with Bill Sweetman, who's a very well-known author, aviation author. And we sold 67,000 copies, which is, uh, if it had been a regular book, I would have made the New York Times bestseller list, but it didn't count for that. <laughs> so, but that's what I've been doing. And, and again, I'm, uh, uh, again, I'll go back to a Lear story, and we'll get to the B-21 here shortly. We've got about four this minutes is, left. Okay, this is June of 96. John Lear and I are at the fence line at Tonopah Test Range. It's about 11 o'clock at night. Told that they're flying some spooky stuff out of there, even though the base was put into caretaker status. So we're sitting there at the fence line, and there's a lot of activity down uh, on the flight line. And there's 60-some-odd hangars. Each one held an F-117 at one time, and there's still a lot of them down there. That's where they have them stored. And we see three armored personnel carriers coming towards us. The light's off, one coming from the south, one coming from the west, one coming from the east. And we have night vision uh, on. I stand up and yell real loud, hey, we're good guys, we're taxpayers. And all of a sudden, boom, we had floodlights on us. John had three little red dots on his chest. I had three little red dots on my chest. And we see a vehicle coming down the public land side of the fence. And this guy comes around. He's in desert utilities. He has his hand on his, on his Beretta and said, you're in a restricted area. I'm ordering you to leave. And I said, sir, I don't know who you are, but this is public lands, and I don't, ha- I don't need your permission to be here. Yes, you do. So I pulled out the official government map, opened it up, and gives the longitude and latitude to the second. And I said, over by the, where my buddy is, over by that fence post, is a USGS medallion that gives the location of the longitude and latitude to the second. I'm in public lands, and I can be here for 15 consecutive days without anybody's permission. I want to see some ID. Well, who are you? I said, I'm Captain So-and-so with ASI, and that's defense security. I said, you're rent-a-cop. You have no jurisdiction on this side of the fence. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business gold. Amex Business Gold. Built for business by American Express. With CheapCaribbean.com, you can get more food, more drinks, and more fun for less money on your all-inclusive beach vacation. Like bottomless margaritas? Yes, and... Going snorkeling whenever I want? Yes, and... Moonlight dance parties? Yes, and... Loaded fajita nachos? Yes, and... All the daiquiris I can drink. You can say yes and to everything when you take a next-level beach vacation at Catalonia Hotels and Resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean with CheapCaribbean.com. And you can just see the jaws tighten up. And uh, he said, uh, I, I want to see some ID. I said, I've been, I've been deputized by the state of Nevada uh, to uphold the laws of the federal government in the state of Nevada and Lincoln, Esmeralda, and Nye County. I said, well, good for you. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. So he hands me his ASI badge. And I said, sir, that's not a valid form of ID. I need something issued by the state or federal government. 
It's always nice to know the rules. And very begrudgingly, he gives me his, his Nevada driver's license, and I, I look at it, and okay. I gave him my Minnesota Lear, hands his. He gives it to a guy on the south side of the fence. He goes over to the supervisor. Imperial light goes on, and I hear, oh, shit, it's good all in Lear. <laughs> lights went off. The red lights went The dots went away. And uh, we left. <laughs> so those are, those, I mean, that, I'm very, very, I was. It's probably a long time since I've really spent a lot of time out there. Uh, but I was very, very well known out in the desert for a long, long time. Most everybody at Area 51 knew of me. I mean, we were, when we were getting my A-12 Blackbird from Lockheed, we were moving it to Minnesota. When I went to the Skunk Works to see, I go up to the uh, security desk, I hit the bell and said, who's there? And they said, Jim Goodall. And I'm dead silence for a second. The Jim Goodall? I said, well, there's five of us, but I'm probably the one you're referring to. It's my grandfather, my father, we're both passed away, myself, my son, and my grandson. So she came out. And uh, she said, you know, I've been at Lockheed for 21 years in security. I heard your name the first day I hired oh. on. And, I, and I've heard your name at least quarterly for the last 20 years. Said, you're not the 800-pound gorilla you're made out to be. I just laughed. And she said, no. I said, you're actually well-liked. I said, I know you're one of Mr. Rich's favorite people, Ben Rich. They, he was the president at the time of Lockheed Skunk Works. I said, yeah, that's the reason I'm here. I want to see my airplane. <laughs> So uh, I've, I've just had a, a wonderful relationship with Lockheed and, the, and spooky airplanes and people that, that work on them and design them and people like myself, they go chase after them. So. Well, Jim, you are a legend for a reason, you know, because you just don't take no for an answer. Hey, before we go what? to break, Jim, I want to give a big shout out to one of our newest listeners. It's her birthday tonight. Sarah Yan, happy birthday from all of us at Spaced Out Radio. Hope you're enjoying your night happy with us. Happy birthday to you. Oh, yeah. When we return yeah. with the legendary Jim Goodall, where you can find all his books at any major bookstore or online. We're going to talk about the new B-21 Raider. We don't even know what it looks like. Space Out Radio yeah, continues Sorry. right after this. All right, we're clear. Remember, our you know, YouTube I, audience can hear us. Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if... Oh, YouTube audience now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I... Uh, I, you know, sometimes I forget when I'm on the air what I can say or what I can't say. I know. I've already got one edit I have to make for a shit. Okay, just what? Well, I, you know what I think we need to do because Sarah's blushing? I think we need to sing uh, her happy birthday. What do you think? Ta-da! You ready? I'm You're ready. Gonna... One, two, one, two. one, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Sarah Happy birthday to you. you. <laughs> it's a good thing that wasn't made public. We, We'd never be able to see it, show our face in public. Oh, it'll again. be on YouTube, trust me. Oh, okay. It'll be on all YouTube. Right. All right. That's all right. That was absolutely horrible, Jim, but uh, that's yes. all right. We made it through. It was, it was supposed to be. I mean, well, look we who it remember. is. We, we, 
It's the lovely and talented Nicole Sackett. Oh, oh, yeah. <coughs> hmm. Oh, I got it. <laughs> Nicole has so, to carry a defibrillator around, Jim. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, it's a birthday card. I was wondering what that thing was uh, underneath her name. It's a bir- birthday cake. Sarah M. Welcome. Who else is joining us here? <coughs> <clears throat> Spent two and a half hours in the snow this morning. Ufologist, oh. how you doing? Hey man, the sometimes the parking lots don't clear themselves. Ken's four twenty <laughs> grow. How you doing? Welcome to SOR chat. Uh let's see here. Oh the she's back. After months away. We have the return of Pinzerflactum. There she is. Doing well. Thank you. All right. I'm done now. I'm I'm good. Yark. Jenny Girl wants to know if you'll be at Space Fest 2023 in Tucson. 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 Uh, I haven't haven't heard about it yet. I Almost invisible to a lot of people in this uh, community, and I don't know why. <laughs> I know people get you know are going you know asked to go here and you know go there, do this, uh, be here, be there. Not me. <laughs> so I'm pro- I'm, pro- I'm probably on the, uh, uh, the, the the Twitter hide you know hide account mm-hmm. since I don't have one. Uh, oh, I hear you, buddy. I want to uh, just quickly yeah. show our audience something here. If you go on to your Facebook page, if, for those of you who are on Facebook, and what you do is you type in events, and then you go to Spaced Out Radio, second annual Spaced Out Radio fan party in Las Vegas, you can add yourself to this list and let us know who is coming. So far, 42 people say they're coming. 79 interested. We'd like to get 100 people there this year. So go on your Facebook, let us know, and then we're going to start giving some confirmation dates here. And uh, we're almost done our schedule. Kira and I just have to formalize everything. Uh, but we really want to see you guys at it. So just go on your Facebook, type in second annual Spaced Out Radio Fan Party, and you can get it right there, guys. So we want to see all of you join us in Vegas, May 19th through 21st for our second annual fan party. It's going to be an absolute blast. We want you to go there and hang out with all of us, like Jim Goodall, like Nicole Sackage, like Michael Schratt and Merle and many, many people who you've seen on this show over the last number of years. They're going to be hanging out with all of you. And uh, they're all doing it out of the love of being here with us and all of you. So uh, you get you're gonna get like a seven hour YouTube show. You're gonna get to hang out with your favorite people that you've always wanted to chat to and meet. Hey, if you want to take Jim out for dinner, I'm sure he'll go. I'm sure he'll go. He likes to. <laughs> and eat. I'm, br- I, I'm bringing some. I'm bringing some books too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, oh, Mennonite Abe says he's planning on making a repeat appearance. And if Mennonite Good. Abe is there, you need to be there as well. So. Uh, <laughs> want to say a big thank you already to Jeff 
Tim, W. Decker, and Mennonite Abe for the Super Chats tonight. Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you so much. And a big thank you to everyone who's done some Christmas shopping at the Spaced Out Radio Store and our website. So let's uh, keep it going. Here comes the second half hour. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for being with us. We very much appreciate you. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with legendary aviation author and historian Jim Goodall, who is with us. And Jim, just recently, as in about two weeks ago, the United States Air Force held a huge, huge press conference announcing their latest stealth bomber, the B-21 Raider. Now... For many of us, this is kind of important because we're always trying to figure out what is flying in the sky around us. And with this announcement, is this a new aircraft, Jim? Or is this an aircraft that, like the SR-71, like the F-117, has been flying for a while, but they're finally making it public? Well, I mean, they're, they're saying that they have uh, six airframes you know, in production as we speak. And the most complete was the one that they uh, showed on December 2nd. But on late uh, November 2018, uh, my, you know, my friend Steve Douglas photographed what he thought was two B-2s flying about 35,000 feet over uh, Amarillo, Texas. And one of them turned out to have only three trailing edge points versus the B-2s five. Which so it's either an RQ one eighty or is a prototype or pre production version of the B twenty one. And based on that I figure I know what about what the wingspan is. I I have a a good understanding how many engines it has. Uh but they 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 were so secretive about this rollout that they first of all they, they didn't roll out the aircraft until after sunset. So they control the lighting. If you had if you had a camera, it had to be checked by Northrop and Air Force Security. You had to put it on a tripod. It had to be exactly six feet. The center of the lens had to be six feet off the platform, which was a three foot high platform. And you could only use the largest lens you could use was a fifty millimeter, which is you know, pretty much, a, you know, you're going to shoot someone's head. It's a portrait lens. And uh, they changed the lighting. They didn't They didn't want, you actually look right down the, the center, uh, the water line, as they call it, of the airplane. You couldn't see the top of the wing. You couldn't see the bottom of the wing. You can make out the, there were a few other photographs that gave away some of the, uh, 
some of the secrets. Um, and that's you know that's where we all began. And then it was it was a very it was a fairly short uh, presentation, and they rolled it back into the hangar and closed the door. They didn't even bring it all the way out because last time they did it with the uh, with the B two, and that was uh, twenty two November eighty eight. Uh, Mike Dornheim, who at the time was the senior. Uh, engineering author writer at uh, aviation week uh he rented a 180 cessna 180 flew over air force plant 42 and photographed straight down so they so the world didn't know what the, what the you know platform really looked like from the top until you know, dornheim showed it and it made the front cover of aviation week of course he was also employed by aviation week but what we have here they've changed the overall appearance of the airplane uh, based on it's 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 a grandson of the B two stealth bomber. Uh, they learned an awful lot about what it can do, what it can't do. Uh, is there a way to improve uh, uh, you know Im- improve its uh, uh, stealthness? And uh, this the B twenty one radar radar is you know is the answer to that question. Now the the B two initially when they first uh, were designing it was going to be a high altitude bomber. It had three trailing edge points, and it was probably very very close in the configuration to what the B twenty one Raider is. And about halfway through the design cycle, uh, Air Force came back to Northrop, and Grumman wasn't part of it yet, but went back came back to Northrop and said. We want to be able to do a high, low altitude, high altitude penetration. So they had to change the entire configuration of the airplane to be able to fly at low altitudes. And that's where they went to the five trailing edge points. And in the back, there's a beaver tail, and it goes up and down. That's a thrust uh, uh, reduction uh, device. It it's computers sense it. And this way you're not rattling the teeth of the pilots because the B-2 is a pretty rigid airplane. And that's how you maintain stealth is it has, it, it can't flex very much. But when you look at, when you look at this particular profile, the uh, cockpit is lower. Uh, the inlets are actually recessed into the uh, you know, top of the wing you can't see it in this particular photo, but the bottom of the, B, uh, the B-21 is very, very wide. And that leads me to believe it probably re, uh, has two bomb bays. One uh, uh, rules that they, they, they told both uh, Boeing, uh, Lockheed, and Northrop when they were bidding on this program is we want you to use as much off the shelf technology as possible to keep the cost down. And what they're shooting at is, you know, $512 million in constant 2012 dollars. And they're, you know, they're, they're on target. They're on target. Uh, the engines, people say, well, how, you know, how many engines they have? Well, in the, in the, the shot that Steve Douglas took, if you look at it, there's, it's very obviously there's, there's two engines per uh, on each side of the uh, the center line of the airplane, so I have to believe that there's four engines. Pratt and Whitney is the supplier of the engine. It's it's more than likely a derivative of the F-135 engine, which was developed for the F-35. Uh, probably using the core part of it because it's not after burning. The uh, 
because of the width of the bottom of the airplane, if it's if it's holding if it if it has a standard size bomb bay, which I would would have to believe would be required, uh, then the advanced rotary launcher would fit in there, which means you can put eight two thousand pound weapons per bomb bay. And uh, and the two thousand pound weapons can either be a two thousand pound bomb, it, or it could be a B eighty three, which is your one point seven megaton hydrogen bomb. Uh, can carry sixteen of those, and it can hit within a meter and a half of where it wants to hit. <laughs> so you know, it is even it, you know, it is very impressive. Oh yeah, Jim. The way I look at it though is this. You know, there are, there are more than 50 B-52 bombers that are going into their 70th year of service. And they yep. believe that's still a 100 to 110-year-old airframe that will continue flying. And there's enough parts, for, you know, thanks to Vietnam and that era, there's enough parts to keep these aircraft going for that, that length of time minus pilot error or, or technological error that, that accidentally crushes them or crashes them. There are, I believe... In the 40 to 50 B-1 bombers, there are, I believe, what, 20 B-2 bombers? Correct. Okay. So the I guess the purpose is the, the United States ha- military hasn't had a brand new bomber in almost 30 years since the B-2 came out. Is that Correct. the reason why they're doing it, or are they doing it because we are in a new Cold War? Both. Uh, we're both... Uh... They learned an awful lot with the B-2. They knew what not, what didn't work and what, what worked really well. And over the last 30-some-odd years, they've, you know, they've de- developed techniques you know, both in mission profile and in materials uh, to reduce the radar cross-section even smaller. Now, to show you how, how small this very large airplane can look, an F-117 is, what, 60 feet, 35 feet. Uh, and it's uh, it's made of fats. It's just pointy. It looks like an arrowhead. Radar on a uh, radar cross section range. They had an F one seventeen shape up on the pylon. It's at night. They're running tests. They have the lights off so no one can see it. And they go to, they go to uh, break. They come back. They go st- start going through their tests again. All of a sudden, they, you know, they turn they hit the radar. Uh, to check something, and it pegged the meter. What the heck happened? I mean, it almost broke the meter. It pegged it so hard. So they turned the exterior lights on, and there was a starling about this tall, not not more than about three inches tall, on the peak of the airplane. That's what ran the thing off a range. The radar cross-section of the F-117 is measured in square inches, and they say the radar cross-section of the B-21 is supposed to be fractions of an inch. And that's the radar reflectivity capabilities of the airplane. Uh, the other thing, when you, when you look at the B-2, the, uh, the windscreen is, is totally different. Uh, you don't have the sensors uh, visible on this craft as uh, they did on the B-2. Uh, they had uh, your, since there's no static pitot tube, you know, little silver thing sticking out of the nose of most airplanes or on the side of airliners. Uh, that's, that determines your pitch, your yaw, uh, altitude, and airspeed. And uh, 
What there is on the B2, there are a set of sensors above the center line in front of the windscreen and also below the windscreen. This way, if they're going up, the pressure increases on the top of the pressure increases on the bottom. But it is a... Now, if you look here, you can, you can see a, a few panel lines, but not many. Uh, and, you, and this one, you can barely see it, and they made sure that it was going to be really difficult. You can actually see the splitter in the, uh, the, the B2's inlet, and is and on the yeah right there, uh, so that tells me there's two engines in that in that engine to sell, and there's two engines in the other one. And for redundancy, you wouldn't want to fly a a nuclear armed bomber uh, anywhere over denied airspace with just two engines. You would always you know you would want to have the redundancy of having four. Um, the the uh, now, as you look down the leading edge of the, B2, the B-21, it's a straight line. If you look down the uh, leading edge of the B-2, it looks like the hind leg of a dog. I mean, it just goes, it just goes all over the place. So they, you know, they, learned how to, they learned how to treat the radar return on the, on the leading edge. Um, you know, the, wing, the wingspan on the, on the B-2, the wingspan's 100. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 72 feet. And that was, uh, uh, I think that was as much a tribute to Jack Northrup on his original flying wings, the XB-35 and the YB-49. The wingspan was 172 feet. So using... Uh, Steve Douglas's photo of the B-21 or uh, RQ-180, whatever, and the B-2, I knew what the, I knew what the, was in the B-2, so I just broke it up into uh, 172 pieces. I measured, I, uh, I measured the wingspan on what I believe is the B-21 prototype, uh, multiplied it out. It's between 100 and 25 and 135 foot wingspan versus 172 uh, foot wingspan with the uh, B20 you know, with the B2. The other thing they're saying that the uh, the weapons load is 30,000 pounds. Now, if they're using two rotary launchers and two uh, bomb bays, which would have to be a, uh, it'd have to be un- the universal size, so it's the same one, same size using the B1 and the B2. The, the weapons bay would be the same size on the uh, B-21. Uh, you can put a rotary launcher in there. So you can put, uh, uh, you can put 16 2,000-pound bombs in there. But you can also put 80 500-pound JDAMs, the, you know, your joint uh, 
munition, uh, you know, airdrop munition. And again, you can you can hit within a, a meter to meter and a half with a 500 pounder, or you can use a small diameter bomb, and it can fly 100 miles on either side of the of these you know, the flight path. So it's it's really a formidable machine, and they're now saying that you know, it can go almost 7,000 nautical miles without refueling. Uh, they would, uh, and it's designed for China. It's not it's not designed for Russia. I don't believe Russia. Uh, has been or will be an adversary. They may be a pain right now, but I don't think I don't think uh, I think they're I think they're the good guys. I really do. And people argue with that. How can you say that? I just did. Uh, so uh, you know the the B twenty one is a uh, craft designed to bomb or to go after China, and it's could be manned or unmanned. Now the uh, the landing gear they went from a four wheel bogey to a two wheel bogey, that reduces the weight and also reduces the complexity you know, the complexity of the landing gear. Uh, it appears the gear doors are you know, the same robust size used on the B two. Uh, flying wing without vertical tails. If when you're flying slow, that airplane has a tendency to just slip and slide, and if you're real low. And if you're near Whiteman Air Force Base and you, and you see a B-2 takeoff, watch it for a few seconds. You'll see the landing gear all the way up, and the gear doors will stay down for a bit. And that's when you get up to a certain speed, then they close up. That's, that gives the B-2 at slow speeds directional stability that you don't have with a pure flying wing. Mm-hmm. And they probably, use this, they probably use the same techniques uh, on the B-21. I've got to ask you, in, in regards to this aircraft... You know, uh, where, you know, modern warfare is going to continue. It's not a subject we really talk about on this uh, on this show. But, I mean, Jim, one of the big secrets that, that I love talking to you about is in regards to what is, why are they showing us this? You know, they kept it very secretive. They kept it the press conference very stealth-like, to use a pun there, in regards to it. If they're going to be floating this out in public, why the secret? Why why so much secrecy around it? Well, you know, one one of the things that this does when you pull out a potentially operational airplane, that is hardware. I mean, you can talk about it a lot, and a deterrent is only as good as uh, as is perceived dangerous by the enemy. Now they roll this thing out. It is supposed to be a uh, a full frequency uh, invisible airplane. So there isn't it, which means it can go over denied airspace. The B two can't. It can be picked up every once in a while, and if you use a very powerful uh, uh, transmitter, and this is uh, you know, like a TV signal, I think with VHS, I think it is. You would know. I don't. I'm, I'm not sure. But if you would if you would transmit a very powerful, uh, short you know short uh, frequency, yeah, you know, uh, blast out there, then you have you have receivers all over the valley, and they all come back to a central location. So you're just going to get a ping here and a ping there and a ping there. But if you cross-reference them, you can find out about where they're at. You may not be able to get the exact location, but you'll be or the or the precise altitude uh, using those types of uh, 
uh, uh, you know, signals, but it, they are detectable. They're saying the B-21 is immune to those types of uh, anti-stealth radars. So it is, it is, it is, it'll go, it can go over and it can loiter over a uh, location. Maybe it's waiting for uh, something to come out of hiding. This thing's flying at 50,000 feet. And if it has the same or more advanced radar than the B-2, when I, photo, when I was at, I've been a Whiteman five times to photograph the B-2. I've flown the simulator. I've been in the cockpit. I've been on top of the airplane. The uh, it's an incredible it's an incredible it's just an incredible airplane and it's just it it has it when you see it you don't realize how big it is and you don't realize how absolutely awesome it is until you see what can be loaded into it but it's a deterrent it's like the it's like our ballistic missile submarines the the Ohio boats which I'm doing a book on that. Uh, it car- it, they can carry 20 submarine-launched ballistic missiles that can carry up to 14 275-kiloton hydrogen bombs. Hopefully, we'll never use it. But it's a deterrent. It's, a, it's, 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 the, it's called MAD, Mutual Assured Destruction. So if, uh, you know, if China were to, you know, to bomb Guam or... Pearl Harbor, uh, we could, you know, we could go in, uh, one, one Ohio boat could take out every strategic target in the country. And one Ohio boat, that's the 560 foot, 18,000 ton submerged, 43 foot diameter hull on these, uh, Ohio class fleet ballistic missile submarines. There's always two in the oceans. There's one in the Pacific and there's always one in the Atlantic and they can reach all their targets by not even leaving the Delta Pier at Bangor in Washington State or the, uh, the, the uh, piers there at Kings Bay in Georgia. So it is, it is a, if, if someone was tried to nuke us or tried to do something and we were to retaliate with nuclear weapons, and that's the end of the world, by the way, um, the, the, that will, you know, the, the, the death blow will happen in, in, a, in an Ohio boat. I want to ask you, as we got about three minutes to go here, Jim, before we got to go to break here at the bottom of the hour, or at the top of the hour, pardon me. I remember Michael Schratt talking about the $20 billion photograph, or the $10 billion photograph of the B-2s. And allegedly, out of the 21 B-2s that were supposed to be built, there were some of them that were supposed to carry some sort of uh, extra technology that would uh you know make them invisible not no not invisible but it, it would their their engines were were different than say the first 7 or the first 14 that were built every 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 bomber whether it's a B1 a B52 a B2 they uh on a normal uh cycle you know 5 to 7 years they go through uh, major phase dock where they go in and they upgrade everything that has been put into the pipeline since the last time they were they were at depot. So the the B twos and the B fifty twos and the B ones that you see today 
are totally different. They may look externally, haven't changed a bit, but they're totally different from the brethren's from, you know, from 10 to 15 ago. Now, the B-52s first flew in 1952. And my gosh, it's 2022. That's a long time for an airplane to fly. But it was, it was built before they had uh, fluid dynamic uh, testing on computers. So they built a robust airframe, and that robust airframe has proven its worth. And the B-52 will be flying probably uh, past its 105th, 105th birthday. That's because incredible. Because it's... And it's, I mean, and, and there, are, there are pilots flying the B-52 that their great-great-grandfather flew. Yeah. That, <laughs> and uh, it could be the same airplane, too. I mean, I've heard stories of, of actual pilots right now where their father and their grandfather all flew B-52s. Yeah. I mean, we're at yep. that stage. So to have a great-grandson or a great-granddaughter that's going to fly a B-52, or even potentially a great-great-grandson that will fly the same aircraft that's unheard of. <laughs> Jim, when it we is. come back uh, from yeah. the break here at the top of the hour, we're going to get into what is flying in their skies, because there's a new report out of Lockheed that they may have uh, start to introduce the son of the Blackbird, SR-72. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio and Legendary Aviation Authority, Jim Goodall on Spaced Out Radio. I, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me how fast the time flies. <coughs> That's because you are amazing, my friend. Your mouth is what I am. <laughs> no, I just love it. I mean, I am... I am blessed with an incredibly good names. I'm terrible on names, but once I once I know your name, I don't for, <laughs> I don't forget it. Jim, I'm gonna. I'm, but, uh, I'm just gonna step away for a minute because I have to uh, go do my thing, um, like the bathroom. But um, if you look in your right hand corner of your screen, you'll see uh, where you know where it says private chat and comments. You'll be able to read the audience right. comments there if you uh, take a look. Uh, now I'm on StreamYard through the through it, so I don't. Yeah, on StreamYard, you, uh, right. At oh, the... okay. I just I ha I had a click on it. I had a click yeah. on it. There. Okay. Oh my so, God. <laughs> there you get to see all the comments, and if any of our audience uh, has questions for Jim, until I get back. Uh, you can ask him. I'll be right back. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's there's hundreds to go. Uh, let's see where I'm at. Going to invade uh, Nicole. Uh, I'm trying to see where... Uh, uh, this is to uh, Nick Yak. We talked about uh, the, the thing I announced today about uh, nuclear fission. My dad worked on the with the Tomamac uh, project at uh, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and that was given to us by the Russians, actually by the Soviets. That's how long ago it was. And that was back in the 50s. And they said, when they gave it to him, they said, 
Well, you're probably 50 years before we'll be able to get anything, uh, uh, get this thing to, you know, to actually generate uh, positive energy. And uh, it's been over 50 years, and, he's, and they're still, I mean, they get it for a few seconds, and they used every, you know, uh, the, all the large lasers they get their hands on. So uh, uh, that's, that's really interesting. Okay, I, I, uh, this is uh, Blue Cruise. I know where Kings Bay, Georgia is, but you haven't been there. Uh, I don't know if you can, you can't get on there unless you're military. Uh, that's where the Ohio boats are. And they have, uh, of the 18 boats, there are uh, eight. There's, uh, there's, 10 on the, there's 10 on the West Coast and uh, eight assigned to the East Coast. And of those of those 18 boats uh, on both coasts, there's t- uh, two of them have been converted to arsenal boats and they, uh, hand, they carry 154 uh, Tomahawk cruise missiles. They took the uh, nuclear weapons capability out of them. And as per uh, salt. Okay. Uh, I'm just going through looking at some of the uh, questions. The black back, this is from Doug Shelby. This is at 10.58 p.m. The Blackbird leaked fuel until it was in the air and expanded and sealed. Actually, the Blackbird uh, leaked fuel all the time, even at, you know, even, uh, at speed and altitude. The airplane doesn't grow very much. Uh, and because of the environment it operates in, you're going, you're going from minus 70 uh, Fahrenheit to a high of... 800, 900 degrees Fahrenheit in that airframe. The, you know, the outside environment, it's, it's 60 to 70 below and the airframe. Overall, average temperature after 21 minutes at Mach 3 is about 520 degrees. And that's average throughout the airframe. Um, but the coefficient of expansion on a Blackbird is very small. I, asked, I sat down with Tori Larson. He was their chief metallurgist at the Skunk Works. And I asked him, we sat down one day, and he pulled out his, his medals Bible and did all sorts of calculations using the, 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 the majority type of titanium used on the Blackbird and its coefficient of expansion going from standard day to 520 degrees. And the Blackbird grows, it grows in all dimensions, but it grows 1.92 inches in length. It also grows in width. But the engine is the one that grows a lot. That one will grow six inches in length and two and a half inches in uh, diameter. But the, you know, the airplane will still leak fuel. fuel. They, they uh, use a, um, they have a part number for it, but it's you know, pretty much a water-soluble glacial gray clay that they, you know, they put, uh, you know, try to seal the tanks with. The first time they loaded up with fuel, they didn't realize that uh, everywhere that there was a screw hole, everywhere that you know, there was a rivet hole, if it, had, if it wasn't sealed, it was going to leak like a sieve, and it was just the fuel was just pouring out of it. So you'll see it. You'll see a photograph of it uh, in natural metal early on before it flew, and they have some tanks on top of the wing. They got some surplus F eighty four tanks built a cradle for them, and they put the gas in that until they figured out how to seal the gas tanks. <coughs> so. You're back. Yeah, we got 30 seconds, so I want to say a big thank you tonight. I'm I'm cold. I'm cold tonight. 
Uh, thank you, Jeff, Tim, W. Decker, and Mennonite Abe for the super chats. Don't forget to give us a thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you think of this show. Chris Moen, Austria, how you doing? Magnolia, good to see you. And Christine, and oh, hey, Clam, nice to see you. And if you're new here, don't forget to hit subscribe, ring that bell. We are here seven days a week for your listening ears. We're going to continue right now, everyone. Stay tuned. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Galuptious. Galuptious is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with aviation expert and author Jim Goodall. He's on 29 books and counting for everything to do with warfare and the toys that the military gets to play with. And they are some nice, nice toys, including the brand new B-21 Raider. Jim, thank you so much for being here tonight. We very much appreciate you. You know, I, I you're one of my you're one of my uh, favorite people, and Spaced Out Radio is one of my favorite programs to listen to. I mean, I'm on the air too, but I'm uh, in, you know, any me to come on if you know if all of a sudden someone uh, you know, short you know, short sheets you you need you need a body, you call me up. If I'm if I'm near a computer, I'll come on board. That's well, not, that would be my honor. Thank you, Uncle Jim. Always appreciate you. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the big yeah. things that we are trying to figure out is what is flying in our sky. Okay. Whether it's secret technology that's being uh, tested out at Area 51 by Lockheed Skunk Works or by Raytheon or by Boeing or, or Northrop Grumman or whoever it may be, we're always trying to figure it out. And there's an article out today talking about Lockheed Martin about to release the son of the Blackbird. Yeah, which the SR-72 will be faster, much faster, than its original predecessor. Now, you are probably the world's foremost expert on the A-12 and the SR-71. And Lockheed agrees with you on that one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they retired the SR-71 technically in 1992. I mean, that's 30 years ago. They said, oh, we, we have satellites that could do it all. Let alone we heard about the Aurora Project, and we've heard about everything else. Michael Schratt, your your uh, cohort, has even gone as far as saying there's an SR-75. You know, we're that high up in the program. What is this SR-72? Well, um, uh... 
Let's, let's go back you know, in uh, a ways in time. Let's go back to 1982 or 83 time frame. Uh, I'm, a, I, I'm a guest at Honeywell uh, Ridgeway, which is the Honeywell Avionics Division in Minneapolis. And Ridgeway Division does all the military avionics. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they were having, it was engineering pretty well. Uh, they had a big banquet at the prom center in St. Paul. Now this is February, so it's Minnesota. It was cold. And uh, the keynote speaker was Clarence Kelly Johnson. And he got up there to talk. And, and of course, everybody was riveted. He, he said, you know, you know, you guys have been here for quite some, you know, those of you who have been there quite a while, you know, you've, you know, you've helped support uh, both the single-place Blackbird, which is the A-12, the SR-71, the fighter version, which is the YF-12. But I can't talk about the Little Bird, which is the D-21 tag board. And he said, there's a toy company out of San Diego. He was referring to testers and, and the late John Andrews. And some mouthy SOB up here in the Midwest somewhere that can talk about it and has pictures of it, and I can't even mention it. He was referring to me. He didn't know he was referring to me, but he was referring to me. And uh, but he got up and he's talking about he said in today's world. Now, this is 40 years ago. Kelly Johnson said today we have the technology in a manned air breathing platform to fly Mach 4, Mach 6, Mach 8, Mach 12, Mach 16. Speed costs money. How fast do you want to go? It's basically the, uh, the rule of thumb they use on drag racing and racing in general. Speed costs money, how fast you want to go. So that capability has existed for 40 years. So uh, are, they, uh, are they flying something out there that uh, we should know about? And I sure hope so. Now, there's been rumors that the, and there's a replacement for the SR-71, and that's why they... Uh, uh, retired the program. I got a buddy of mine. He's now retired. He had, you know, he had 35 years at the Skunk Works. I knew him before he went to work there. He, he was at General Dynamics before that in Fort Worth. And I asked him, I said, I know you can't tell me what you're working on, but you know what my passions are. Is there anything that you're aware of? And he was the number three guy at the Skunk Works. He didn't want to be the boss. They, they, offered, they were going to offer it to him. And he said, hey, I'm an engineer, not a politician or paper, paper pusher. And uh, so I said, is there anything that excites me? Now, this is five years ago. And he said, no. 
He said, we're not fighting the same, we're not fighting the same war. We're fighting a, uh, an enemy that uh, hides behind children, that doesn't have allegiance to a country, um, that doesn't wear a uniform. So, and they blend in with the population. So, so the stuff we're going after are long-duration di- long, uh, drones, sensors to pick up movement, uh, things to, you know, when people are you know, hiding around, it's better able to find them infrared or low light or whatever capabilities on a platform. Well, that's changed. That's changed with uh, pretty much since uh, you know, China decided to inflict COVID on the world. And I think, uh, I think things are moving, moving forward. Now, is there a replacement for the SR-71? Not flying today, not, at least not yet. And according to my friend, I won't give his name because he's, he's still a public fig, you know, figure. Uh, he said five years ago, there was nothing at the Skunk Works that would excite me. And he was, you know, he was head of strategic programs and unmanned systems. So if, if someone were to know something, he would know it. But the Blackbird from signing a contract to first flight was 32 months. So that's, you know, that's not... That's that's a lot less than five years. Very true. But, Jim, we also know through sources out at Area 51 and places like that, that there are always, always some sort of aircraft flying. You know, whether we know about it today, whether we know about it tomorrow. I mean, how do we know this SR-72 hasn't been flying for the past 30 years? I would have photographed it. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been to the fence line at Area Fifty One and Tonopah Test Range 80, 80 different times over the last forty years. If there had been something flying, I would have heard rumors of it. If the SR seventy two had been flying, my friend at Lockheed would have said, "I think you should do some more, spend some more time out in the desert." And he didn't say that. Um. He's very, I mean, now, uh, when Jeff, when I met with Jeff Babion, he was the uh, vice president general manager uh, for four years or five years. He turned 62 and they retired him. Um, His two favorite books are the ones right above my shoulder, my Blackbird book and my 75 years of the Skunk Works book. But he had never heard an SR-71. He had never seen one fly. And until and, and until the time he you know came on board with the, the Skunk Works, he had never seen one up close. And he says, uh, uh, so I, I think I think he would have you know, he would have hinted at something. There's a lot of there's a lot of people at at the Skunk Works. They they're just finishing up a, I think it's a two hundred eighty thousand square foot facility that they're they're uh, going in with Boeing on. And it's, uh, you know, it has to do with uh, intelligence, surveillance, and you know, reconnaissance. So uh, is, is, it, is an SR-72 flying? I don't think so. Do we have the capability to build one and fly one? Absolutely. Uh, I do know it's been said that the, uh, the sixth-generation fighter is flying, the prototype. So... I have to get out in the desert. I don't know. We won't do it during our gathering in May, 
but I'm going to have to get out there. They, anybody, anybody who wants to try to see something in and around Area 51, the real spooky stuff flies on weekends. And the longer the weekend, Christmas, that's, that's a gold mine for flying stuff out of, uh, in and out of Area 51. From Thanksgiving to New Year's is sort of, there's almost nobody at the test site. And no one's going to go out. No one's going to you know, forego their turkey dinner on Thanksgiving to, to go sit out in the desert and freeze your fanny off because it's cold and windy and oh, yeah. whatever, hoping, hoping to like? see something, <clears throat> hoping to see something fly over. But it, the facility at, at Area 51 c- continues to expand, continues to get very, very large. On uh, the most recent photographs were taken uh, uh, Christmas day two years ago in 2020 uh, there's a there's a hangar on the very south end of the uh complex that's at least a mile from any other structure and it's a big hangar and it's a drive-through hangar so it can probably have a, a wingspan of you know 180 feet 200 foot and can still make it through the opening of the hangar and go all the way through, and then it goes right right to the uh, uh, the south end of the main runway. So that's handling something probably very very toxic. I don't think it would be radioactive. It's probably more chemicals used in uh, chemical lasers. I know when they when they built the Y Y A L one, it was a seven forty seven with the uh, laser. Uh, ball turret in the nose that airplane when they quit flying it they didn't fly it very long they you know they fired a number of shots out of it but the chemicals used in the creating the chemical laser were so toxic that the it the 747 it was a 747 400 it had less than 1500 hours on the airframe and they cut it up because they could not decontaminate it now, so they're using some exotic fuels and some exotic propellants and some of the stuff. So there's, you know, there's there's something there at Area 51 that is extremely toxic that they're handling in a in a separate structure. Um, you know, when you when you look at the base, you know, the base has you know gotten huge. Uh, they have new uh, scooting hides, as they call it. There was an image uh, from Google Earth. Someone posted here a, a couple months ago of a uh, it almost looked like a tulip shape on the trailing edge, and and it was sort of it wasn't straight edge. It was sort of a uh, looked like an upside down tulip, and it was partly in and out of the uh, Scutenhide building. Now Scutenhide is when an a, a unknown aircraft is in the vicinity and is not supposed to be there, and you have something on the ground. You go you know either get into a hangar or you go to a Scutenhide. Or if, because of maintenance problems, you realize that you can't get into the air before the next reconnaissance satellite comes over that is invisible light or infrared or whatever, <clears throat> then you, you, know, you go find a scoot and hide. Those things are happening every day. But the real spooky stuff, for those who want to go, uh, uh, you, know, you, you, can, you, know, you can contact me through Dave. I'll give you, I'll give you a uh, uh, instruction on what to do. 
I have a, uh, a presentation I give, and you know, everything you want to know about Area 51, but didn't know who to ask and didn't want to get shot. Anybody, you know, any of you out there, you know, the general, you know, the general public, except maybe if you're from Tasmania or someplace that's in the other side of the planet, it'd be hard to get here. If you go out in the desert to snoop from cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. On our government, and I've, I've been done it a lot, never go alone. Always go with at least one other person. You don't want more than three people total, but always never go alone. Always bring more water than you think you could ever need. Because trust me, even when it's cold, if, you, if you're in a dry environment, uh, it, that just sucks the moisture out of your body. So... Uh, and you're, you know, if you're in and around Area 51, you're 140, 150 miles from the nearest hospital that can treat a, a Mojave green rattlesnake bite, which means you might as well sit down, pull out a cigarette or a joint, enjoy your last puff because you're not going to make it to Vegas. <laughs> so, and they're very aggressive. But the only thing I've ever seen up there are timber rattlers, a couple of scorpions, a lot of coyotes, and a lot of wild horses. So, and also if you go out there, you want to become a low observable. You want to become stealth. I go out there with camouflage netting. I put it up. You can be 150 feet from my car or my campsite and you can't see me. So if you're going to, uh, you know, if, if you want to go out there, uh, you let me know. I'm on Facebook. Uh, but, you know, if you want to get, me, get hold of me through Dave, Dave can... Uh, forward the information to, you know, to me and I'll get back to you and let you know. I'll call you up. I'll help you any way I can. That's what we love about you. We got six and a half minutes before we got to go to break at the bottom of the hour. Jim Goodall is our guest tonight. Jim, in regards to what is flying out at Area 51, you know, you mentioned these these chemicals and one of the people that Tim Senor and I talked to earlier this year, he worked 12 years at Area 51. And he was saying that uh, they really needed to be careful about these chemicals because each company was using different chemicals to, uh, you know, propel their aircraft or whatever, you know. But the idea that there are aliens out there, UFOs out there, and the majority of them may be what is already ours flying at Area 51, how do you tell what is, what is ours and what is not? I've seen so many pictures of the, uh, uh, was it the uh, TR-3B? And, I mean, it's, it's, some, of, some of the images are incredible. 
if it has formation lights on it, if it has a red light on one side and a green light on the other, it's not a UFO. It's not an alien craft. It is a human-built platform, maybe using uh, UFO technology. But if it's flying in airspace and it has anti-collision beacons and, and uh, such on it, it is, you know, it's operated by humans and it's flying in controlled airspace and they want to make sure you can see it so you don't collide into it. If it, if it's, you know, if it's a tic-tac, you know, and the tic-tacs, I have, I have no explanation for those other than the fact that I, I've been led to believe that they're ours. And the other place, the other area that hasn't been, you know, really, you know, gone into looking is, is the ocean. Now, two submarine commanders, and I think it was in the Pacific, but I, I let's put it this way. I'm not, I, I'm not 100% sure where it was. At. It was in the ocean. So it was a, I believe it was an attack submarine. So it's either a Los Angeles class or a Virginia class uh, fast attack. Um, he went by them in the water at supersonic speeds. Happened twice. They don't know what it was. All they know is something went by them above 700 miles an hour underwater. How can that even happen? It did. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have, I have. No, there's, there's been talk about the Russians have a supersonic torpedo that can go 800, 900 miles an hour, and what it does, it, uh, it sends a stream of air or something in front of it, and it sort of a correct, creates a bubble around the craft or the torpedo, and reduces the the, the friction. Um, that's the only way I can, you know, I could in my head, figure out how they could go that fast underwater. I know a submarine's faster underwater than it is on the surface by quite a, quite a bit. But not at but, mock speed. Uh, no, no. I mean, a, I think I, I, it was a Virginia-class submarine. One of the nuke guys had an appendicitis. And they were halfway between Pearl Harbor and San Diego. There were no ships of any sort within a thousand miles. So the captain opted to go to emergency flank speed and they cranked the the, uh, reactor up to like 108% or 110%. And um, Mike, Mike said that he did the calculation. He was the nuke. He did the calculation of, he knew where they were at and he knew how long it took to get to Point Loma there in San Diego Harbor. He said they had over 70 miles an hour in this 100, this 335 foot uh, steel tube. That is hauling, yeah, that's really hauling uh, Fanny. But you could hear it all over, you could probably hear it in the Atlantic Ocean or uh, in the middle of the Indian Ocean because it was making so, so much noise going through the water. You know, the thing about our submarines, and again, I like submarines because they're black, they're deadly, and they're stealth. They were really the first operational stealth military machines for submarines. And the uh, Virginia-class, Seawolf-class submarine is quieter at 25 knots submerged 
than the early Los Angeles-class submarine is tied up to the pier. Wow. Anything more than about five knots, and you can hear every Russian, Chinese, or uh, Iranian, or North Korean sub. You know, they... and. They have you know, every 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 hunter killer sub has a has a uh, catalog of sounds, and they know when they pick up a particular sound, they run it through their computer. It will tell you the name of the sub, when it when it was uh, christened, who the captain is, approximately how many uh, uh, how long the sub's been operational, and what kind of what is the typical weapons load on that on that submarine. So it's, and I don't know if the Russians have that same capability, but we do. I don't know if we do or not. I really do not know if we do or not, my friend. You would know better than I would, that's for sure. I have to believe that we do. I have to, I have to believe that we do. I think there's, there's, Ben Rich told me before he died, he said, Jim, we have things out in the desert that's 50 years beyond what you can comprehend. I can comprehend a hell of a lot. And if you see movies like Star Trek or Star Wars, we've been there, done that, or decided it wasn't worth the effort. That's right. Think about that statement. He also said at UCLA in 1994, we have the ability to take E.T. home. Just that statement alone, if you go, what? (laughs) (laughs) Jim, on that note, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because when we come back, we're hearing all this talk about drones. Chinese drones over military installations? Are you buying it? I'm not. Maybe Jim Goodall will fill us in. What's a drone? What's a UFO? And what's ours? Aviation expert Jim Goodall continues on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. Hi, Grace Me. Tombstone, nice to see you. And, uh, yeah. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio. I'm just, uh, I'm amazed how many people, uh, comment on here. I mean, it's just, I tried to get up to the top and all of a sudden I, I have another, you know, 20 people I have to look at. Channel Warhorse, how you doing? Gnome Squatch, good to see you. Gnome Squatch? Yep. (laughs) Doug Shelby, the Doug Shelby, wants you to pick him up in the vet on the way to Vegas. He says, I got the gas and food. (coughs) Oh, okay. You pay pay the tickets, too? (laughs) No, that'll be his girlfriend, Samantha, who does that. Okay, okay. So, I've had it, I've had it up to 140 plus. Um, I I was on my way to Rachel, you know, there in the uh, uh, just east of Area 51, and I I really wanted to go hit 180, but I was. It's an open range, and all it takes is one big cow to decide to, well, I'm going to step out in front of this black thing that's going 180 yep. miles an hour and see, see if I can make him miss his pants. <laughs> Truth and, there. Uh, yeah. I, I, the car's so low, we'd probably go underneath a big cow. <laughs> Try some of the moose here. Yeah. Hey, we had one when I was up in, when I was stationed in Elmendorf, some guy in a Renault Dolphin, if you remember what those were. Yep. 
hit a moose going into Glen Allen. He was doing about 70, which was maximum speed. He hit the moose. It took him five days to find the moose. It was critically injured, but it was still alive. The driver itself was taken out from here up, gone. A couple of years ago. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at AmericanExpress.com slash business gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Just like a couple miles north of my where I live on the highway, it was uh, a thousand pound moose versus Honda Civic. Oh, that's not fair. That, that wasn't good. The, the guy survived. I don't know how, but the guy survived. But I mean, the problem is when the moose goes into the vehicle. It tries because likely, unless it's a big truck, it ain't going to kill the moose. It's going to injure it severely, but it ain't going to kill kill the moose. And what happens is when the moose and the bot in the car body uh, starts to collapse in on each other, and the moose gets stuck, it starts kicking. Oh, yep, because yep. it's trying to get out. It panics and it starts kicking, and and that's where the the bad damage happens if your head hasn't been taken off by it, you know. I mean, the the strength of a of a fully grown moose. They used to catch field wire, which is uh, communication wire, but it's it's it strands of stainless steel wire into it. And we had a bundle. It was about twenty pair, thirty pair. I mean, that's a heavy duty cable. It got stuck in an antler of a moose, and it just walked away and snapped the stuff like it was cheap cotton thread. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, you don't want to mess with the moose. No. And I, I got, I got, uh, was, I was in waist deep snow, and I had to go up a telephone pole. This is at, at uh, on base at Elmendorf in Anchorage, middle of winter, to, to fix something that come loose. And on my way down, a mama moose came after me because I was, I was here, the moose is here, and her baby is over here. Uh oh. And every time she'd go around, baby would go stay 180 degrees away from her. And I was up there for five hours on a set of hooks. And uh, they were getting very, they were getting nervous. You know, the guys back the, at the shop wanted to know where in heck I was. So, you, as for the moose. You know, I almost got to fly in the backseat of an F-15 from Elmendorf. Why didn't you? What happened? 1992 Abbotsford Air Show where they brought in the big Russian uh-huh. contingent, uh, two F-15s from Elmendorf uh, came came uh, down as escorts. And they were asked to stay the weekend and uh, take care of uh, the aircraft, right? So 
<clears throat> what happened was they had one two-seater and one single seat. And my dad was running the pilot's bar at that time. And so I got to meet all these pilots. And so I had to go to work one day that week. So I went thir- on the Wednesday. Thursday, the pilot of the F-15 says, dude, where were you? Yesterday, I said, "Why?" He goes, "We had to take a flight up to Kamloops." He goes, "I was going to put you in my back seat," and I'm like, uh, "I'm like, I'm 18 years old. I'm like, don't even tease me like that." He goes, yeah. "Dude, when we're away, you don't know what we do," and I missed my chance. Hold on, Jim. Here we go. We rounded third. I don't know. We go well, that's for an hour from now. We're past the midway point. That's where we are on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. Want to remind you that if you missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We got it for one final segment, Jim Goodall, legendary aviation historian and author. And this half hour, we're going to get into the topic of drones. Jim, thank you so much for being here tonight. And one of the big questions going on right now regarding UFOs is all of a sudden everything is a Chinese drone. They're the ones infiltrating. Yeah. <laughs> They're the Tic Tacs. They're all these strange lights over over Catalina Island in the in the naval testing grounds and everything. Are, are you buying this? Well, I'm 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 buying the fact that people are seeing drones but they're not necessarily seeing Chinese drones. The, the technology involved, there was a, I don't, know, I don't know if Lockheed put it together, but they just showed just how dangerous and what a strategic weapon a drone can be. And this was all, this was all simulated, so it, was, it wasn't real, but the technology is there to do it. They can put facial recognition into a drone, so it's going to look for, Oh, Dave Scott. And it'll have one or two rounds. Maybe it's maybe it's a two twenty three, maybe it's a three fifty seven. And go bang and get you. But you're smart enough, you see this thing coming, you shoot it with a shotgun, you blow that one out. There's another one, you shoot that, blow that away. Well, until you're taken out officially, the drones are gonna keep coming after you. Because they're looking for your face. They know that Nobody that looks just like you or has your you know, your DNA or your uh, your file, whatever that may be, the you know the uh, the the aura that you may have around your body. Maybe that's what the drones are designed to look for. But they could they could weapon that only goes after you know, Dave Scott. And unless you decide to barricade yourself in a deep hole somewhere, it's going to find you. Because even if you even if you blow out two thousand drones, 
it's still going back to the, the drones that are still alive and still going. They still have your photo in there. You still, they still have your imprint, and they're going to keep searching on you. So that's that's where drones can be really, really scary. Now, there was, uh, I think it's going to be an, on Americans Got Talent, but a, a couple guys took drones, and they did things with them that are absolutely unbelievable. And I saw, I saw it, on, I think it was on YouTube. But it, it's a it's a session of uh, Americans Got Talent that has not been aired yet because I've never I've never seen that one. But drones drones are a real thing. Drones are the future because you can you can have something that you can put in your hand that you can throw up in the air. It's going to fly around. It's going to look for whatever it's programmed to look for, and when it finds it, it's either going to alert it or it's going to blow up right above you with a shaped charge, or it's going to have a, you know, a weapon to fire at you. Or a poison dart to give you COVID. I mean, it's it's all sorts of things can happen with drones, and 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 there's going to be it's it's only a matter of time before there's going to be a major commercial aircraft crash because of a drone. You have guys flying around airports um, where they shouldn't be. The things are small. It doesn't take a it doesn't take a lot of metal. To fod an engine, you can do it with a screwdriver. You can do it with a you know small wrench. You could destroy an engine. And if you have a drone that's maybe you know three feet across or two feet across, and it goes into uh, an engine, you've trashed it. You've trashed that engine. And if if there's if there's a swarm of drones and a commercial airline or see an approach to O'Hare or uh, Kennedy or LAX, uh, it's going to come. It's a come down in a neighborhood uh that's that's where drones can be dangerous to the general public but drones are here to stay the technology that that you and i can purchase you know for twenty five hundred dollars you have you have 5k resolution you you know you have zoom capability you know you're limited to 400 feet above uh, ground level um but there's, I think there's other uh, other licenses that'll let you fly higher or whatever. But it's the drones are unbelievable. When I was uh, with uh, the cousin brothers, they they said, "Well, what happens if you lose signals? It comes back to where it was launched from. It knows to do that. And it's and the quality and the quality of the images that are coming out of these things are unbelievable. So drones are here to stay." I don't believe the Chinese have the technology. They've stolen it from us, so maybe they do have the technology to uh, fly drones in our, you know, in our airspace. Uh, do you buy it? it Maybe. Do you buy it? No. Though? Is that all no, part no. of the the UFO cover up, Jim? You know, I don't know why our our government has decided to keep everything on the ufos buried it doesn't it, it it's counterproductive it doesn't do any good and this what good does it do to deny something that every that people have been seeing for maybe a thousand years i mean there there are reports you, you, you look at you look at some of the uh hieroglyphics and some of the petroglyphs around they were flying saucers there's are big-headed people with big eyes uh and you know what are what are those? Those are aliens. I get that. 
I get that. But, I mean, to me, and I'm just curious your opinion on this, drones are the 2022 version of the 1950s and 60s swamp gas. Yeah. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of stuff that people are mistaken as UFOs could be drones. I would say I would say from uh United States military or those that aren't uh uh from an alien source, then they're gonna be uh you know, they very well could be uh a drone you buy at uh, Walmart, but the you know the thing thing about what which doesn't explain are some of the the structures that have been seen and videotaped, you know, in the sky. Uh, was it early twenty twenty? Uh, Doc Skinner sent me a, a, a was it six different videos taken off off of uh, smartphones. Of some craft. This is at night. It's flying. It's up at. Uh, it's in Sholo, Arizona, which is at sixty-five hundred feet in altitude. And the thing's a mile long. I I got it, and I you know I I changed the uh, the contrast. Did a lot of playing with it, and it, this thing is huge, and it is a physical structure. They call they call Luke Air Force Base and said, no, it's not one of ours. Well, gee, it's got to be somebody's. They called Davis Monthan. They said, well, it's not one of ours. Well, when the heck is it? You don't you you don't have something that's a mile long, over flying a populated area, and have your local military, you know, air force base saying, "Well, it's not ours." <laughs> well, you better send someone up to figure out whose it is. Yeah, you may want to know that answer. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Jim, that's where I find it frustrating. Is you know, just a, about a year ago. We finally had people stop talking about Russia, China, Russia, China. They're the ones, you know, our adversaries about UFOs. And finally it came out that this technology wasn't ours. And now all of a sudden we've backtracked to Chinese drones. This is what's driving me nuts. It's, it's, it's just static is all it is. It's just static. It, 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 could, it could be our government uh, uh, Pushing disinformation, of course, they would never do that to a citizen, would they? Trudeau hasn't pulled your chain, has he? <laughs> Come on. He has nice socks, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we have... Uh, I, 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 a lot of it could be... Just Pulling our chain. When the F-117 first flew, they figured they'd keep it classified for 18 months after first flight. Well, all of a sudden, they hit two years. Well, let's see if we can make it three years. They hit three years. Well, let's see if we can make it four years. So they went from June 81 until I photographed it in January of 89. It was flying, but no one had it. No, no one, you know, no had a chance to photograph it. Um, well, that, let me bring this up to you then, Jim. What is the purpose of keeping all of this technology under wraps? It is power. Plain and simple. Those that control the, the dissemination of information on, on spooky programs that have the ability to declassify them or to uh, 
there's a lot of them that programs that have been declassified but are still buried so deep you know within the system that will never you know, we won't see them for 20 or, or 30 years um it it just i don't know i i get frustrated i get frustrated with with the technology that they're hiding from us because it it all it does it's protecting turf and that's what most of it is and and ben rich told me he said security costs money the when they built the A12 Blackbird the original CIA Blackbird with the YF12s leading up to the SR71 they had 250 security people on the program. A total of about 2,500 people were involved in the Blackbird program from beginning to end. Uh, the uh, F-117, they had 25,000 security people. And security adds 20 to 30% cost of the program. And most things are classified not because of the technology, because that's probably already been stolen. They, you know, the, the Russians and the Chinese have long-term uh, uh, plans, and they'll, you know, they'll invest thirty years to get to, you know, to get some someone in Skunk Works that's clean, that's you know, as you know, pure as you know, freshly driven, you know, blown snow. Um, ben told me that, but he said that's why things are compartmentalized. But it it does it. The technology they keep from us is turf. I control this program. I control the security of it. I'm a power one that knows what this thing does, or I'm the only one who can authorize anybody to see it or to you know to work on it or whatever. Those people, those people that are in charge. They're hiding the they're hiding the funds from the bean counters in Congress, and the overseers uh, in the general public and in you know in and out of uh, you know federal agencies. Is uh, the the amount of stuff that's classified, generally classified, is is baloney. You know the the F one seventeen. There's nothing classified about the F one seventeen except the fact that it was classified. Uh, the construction is. It's aluminum construction. It's, you know, it's like a race car. They build it from the inside out. Uh, where, where the magic was, was the precision of manufacturing a stealth aircraft. You have to adhere to real close tolerances and the application of some type, radio, some type of radio, radar absorbing material, also known as RAM. And that, you know, you can, you can go... Uh, you can go online and you can buy RAM for the front of your car and the back, you know, put, you know, make a bra out of uh, radar absorbs material and then one for the back of your car. And now as you're, you're running through your, your local radar trap, it's not going to register. So I know Bob Lazar, uh, when he was still living in Las Vegas, uh, he lived right off of West Charleston He'd go over there with his radar jammer. He knew where the, he knew where the, the uh, radar cops would go, so he'd go he'd go hide in a corner, almost behind a bush, and he'd see some guys just speeding, you know, about twenty miles over the speed limit, and you see you see the you know the, the cop getting ready with his radar gun, and he'd hit it with his jamming system, and everything would just garble up, and the car goes zipping by, and 
The guy turns the thing off and turns it back on, and it works on the next 10 cars, but they're going the speed limit. Then another guy's going fast and does the same thing. He said he's, when, he was, when he was bored, uh, you know, and he wanted just to, you know, to, to get a chuckle, he, that's what he'd do. He'd go out there and he'd jam the radar from uh, the, the radar trap for speeders there in uh, that part of Las, Las Vegas. Gee, you his. Yeah. Yeah, he was a character. He is a character, and I and I hope to, you know, I, I wanted to see him last year. Uh, after I left uh, Vegas, I was uh, uh, I was going to be head, heading up to him, but it was a chance of snow in the you know, in the area that I had to go through, and I can't drive my car in the snow. It, I don't even like driving it in the rain because you goose it a little bit, and you know you can you can lose it. I don't want to do that, so. But very true. Very true. Yeah. Jim, so the idea behind the fact that the government's probably hiding behind the whole drone theory when it comes to UFOs, you've met enough people and know enough people in this industry that have, you know, from Ben Rich on forward. I mean, is there a mutual belief that we are studying UFOs, that we are gaining technology from what has maybe crashed here? Or it, it's been given to us. You know, there, you know there's, there's technology that we possess that's not of this earth. Uh, Bob Lazar is a good example. I mean, he's from this earth, but, uh, you know, his, his job was to, you know, to be able to identify and how do you replicate the anti-gravity propulsion system on uh, using element 115. Now, a lot of people, oh, there's no such thing as element 115. Well, there isn't in this in in our planet, but it exists in the universe. And lo and behold, was it last year or the year before? In the last eighteen months, they announced that oh, we've created element one fifteen, very small amount, but you know we've actually created it and it's stable. So uh, uh, things they said that you know that couldn't do. But again, Ben Rich. He, he told the graduate students, aeronautical school, UCLA, he said, we have the ability to take ET home, but our government won't allow us to release that information. And it's frustrating. You know, so, the, so I have to believe that we, you know, it would be foolish to think that we wouldn't take advantage of dealing with a, uh, an alien culture and a, you know an alien presence uh, and use some of their technology. So, well, it would make sense. It would make total sense in, yeah. or, in order to do that. You know, do you see a day, Jim, where that technology actually comes out? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Computers, for example, I mean, when they first came out way back when, they were just, gee whiz, how you can get something this huge? From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner and put it in your back pocket with you know and have the computer i think i think that the technology will will make itself known and i think eventually it will it will come into commercial uh the commercial area you know the you know the public consumption area you know whether it's whether it's medical devices i mean they're talking about uh there's been talk about med beds that we supposedly got from uh an, an alien culture that can uh, help replace, uh, can cause your body to repair itself. And that technology apparently is, we have it. But we don't see it because it's still, it's, it's still buried in some classified program because some gatekeeper doesn't want to release it to the public. And I think, I think, and I think it's a, uh, uh, I think it's a crime. And people like that should not uh, uh, be able to get away with that. Well, Michael Schrat states that, you know, there are many different aircraft flying around the U.S. skies right now. You know, we talked a little bit about the SR-72. You know, Michael has talked about the SR-75 and other black project items uh, that could be flying right now. I mean, Michael's a pretty astute researcher. I mean, he learned from the best in yourself. I mean, is... well, he, he's, he is so good. I mean, he makes me look like a piper by comparison. And he is dedicated. He is. I mean, now he's, he's now working for uh, Dr. Greer. He, uh, he had his three and a half years at Lockheed Martin. I think it was, uh, it was very painful for him. Uh, Michael's a very, very dear friend of mine. And I, and I think the world of him... And no one does what he does better than Michael. Nobody. I, I agree with you. I agree with and you when, on that. And when he's given a presentation, he's not given opinion. He's like Sergeant Friday and Dragnet. He's stating the facts as they're presented in supporting documents. So he doesn't. He doesn't make any assumption that isn't you know that isn't spelled out in. Yeah, yeah, in evidence. So are there dozens of these types of craft right now flying over us right now? And we may not even know. The sixth, maybe even seventh generation of of jet fighters. I mean, let's not forget that Dick Cheney killed a five billion dollar uh or uh fighter. The five billion mis the five billion dollar misunderstanding. And that was the name of the book by James Perry Stevenson. It was on the Navy A twelve Avenger two program. And a bunch of admirals should have gone to uh, Gitmo or Fort Leavenworth for what they did or what they didn't do. It was just a travesty. So, uh, yeah, but that, uh, go on, you were going to well, say something? Well, no, I, I'm just wondering, like, with what Michael is saying regarding these aircraft, can we expect a lot of the stuff that we are seeing up in the sky is definitely ours? That looks strange. 
Well, I, I, I would have to, I would have to say a majority of it is more than likely ours. But there's all it has to be is one. All it has to be is one that we can prove came from some other place, and that right there, you know, that is you know that is the Rosetta Stone, so to speak, on the on the UFO community. And until one lands on the White House lawn during a live broadcast from the Rose Garden on something and the whole world is there. Maybe all the world leaders are together because they're, you know, we're going to, we're going to fight. Uh, we're going to fight the aliens. And one lands right there on, you know, where the, where the helicopters always land there you know, uh, in front of the white house. And my only hope is it's not like Mars attacks, <laughs> which is one of my favorite movies. I hear you there, Jim. We got about one yeah. minute left with you tonight. And I want to say a big thank you for, coming on you are truly a legend and uh, we absolutely love you around here tell everybody where they can find your books uh go to amazon uh, punch in books by james middle initial c good all and my hardbound books will all show up there or you also can go in and go uh, books by jim Goodall. because i did it i did them both it was silly of me to, uh, not to do it my formal name on all of them. But I started this as a hobby and, and never did I ever think I'd hit 29 books. I was surprised when I hit one, did one. But I want to wish everybody out there in uh, Spaced Out Radio Land a very, very Merry Christmas, a wonderful 2023. It's got to be better than the last two and a half years we've had. Wow. And I hope everybody is safe. I hope people are healthy. And uh, I hope we have a joyous New Year and a joyous Christmas. And to you and yours as well, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on Space Down Radio for your final time of 2022. And we will talk to you very, very soon, my friend. Yeah, and it's an honor to be on the on your program, Dave. And you know that. I appreciate that, Jim Goodall. Everybody, coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Swamp dwellers got another spooky story for us. Then. Our resident Tim Bit, Tim Senor, is going to hang out with the UFO report. UAPX in the news again. Space Out Radio continues. All right, we are clear. Look at little Timmy Senor hanging out there. Hey, there he is. How's it going? <laughs> How's it going, boys? Yeah, that's that's the it's some of the fastest two hours of my life is when I'm doing this. I mean, boom, it was gone. That was two hours ago. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I know how you feel there. It's great yeah. to see you, Jim. Yeah, yeah. you're going to be in Vegas in May? Sure am. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll, I'm, I'm going to make sure that Michael's there, Shrat. Excellent. I look forward to meeting you in person. Yeah, and, and I don't know if I can ever pull it off, but one of these days at, at maybe a, a, a 2024 uh uh, SOR uh, gathering, I can convince Bob Lazar to come down. But he's closer to me now, right? I think here somewhere. He should absolutely come. We should invite him. Now, now where's where, where's home for you, Tim? I'm in Oregon. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry for that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful here. Oh, I know. I, I, I spent. Uh, uh, almost 20 years of my life in in the greater Seattle area. So yeah. Yeah, I lived in Whidbey Island. I, you know, I lived I lived in uh, all over the the Seattle area. My brother 
which I'm not close to, lives in Portland. Actually, lives in Gresham. Okay. And uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gresham. Yeah, you know, my brother's not much either, so it's okay. Oh. <laughs> <You know. laughs> I I love I love my brother because he's my brother. Yeah. Have absolutely nothing in common. That's the way it and, boils sometimes. Isn't yeah, it? And, yeah, and yeah, and uh, I was, you know, when I I was in a time back in the eighties when uh, early nineties when I was going through a divorce, I was pretty much homeless. But I was in Seattle. He was up there three or four times. He knew where I was at. Didn't even try to call. Oh. So, so oh. It, it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you can't pick your family. No, this is true. You can pick your nose. You can pick your <laughs> friends, but you can't pick your friend's nose. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost impossible to read any almost any of the posts that come up here because so, there are thousands of them. Oh, yeah. Well, you're a legend. Yeah. That, that's what they're happens. loving you. They don't that's get a why. lot of time with you. Yeah. 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 No, this is, uh, it's the golden voice of central British Columbia. It's, oh, uh, stop it. Stop Mr. it. Mr. Dave Scott. They're only you know, here. I just, they're here because of you and because you're just amazing. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, I'm, uh, I'll accept you for what it's worth. <laughs> it's going to cost you a drink. Well, uh, uh, a <laughs> nice cold Coca Cola coming your way that's here right. soon. The yep. teetotaler up there. Yeah. No, I had, I have, uh, I don't miss not drinking. I had, uh, I had a brain tumor removed the day challenge blew up and alcohol from that point forward, even a little bit, I'll get a, I'll get a headache, a scale of one, a scale of one to 10. I'll get about an 11 headache for two days and it'll lay me out. So I don't, uh, I don't, uh, drink. I've, I've had two drinks in 43 years and you got the 11 headache each time that's right yeah so i don't do that makes yeah. sense yeah yeah makes sense yeah, yeah I, I don't drink either yeah. it's not really yeah. it's not used, for everyone i used to be a cigarette smoker i when i quit i was smoking three packs of cools a day oh I, cools, I, I quit i quit on march 13th 1978 and i have not touched a cigarette since that's awesome. Yeah, I quit at 28 and cold turkey. I was, I was, I had weaned myself down to parla- Parliament ultralights from. Oh, uh, no, I, I was, I was still smoking cools. And I, every once in a while, I smoke cool miles, but they were just as you bad as cools. cools. Of course. But <laughs> yeah. well, the reason you smoke cools is cool. Yeah. Yeah. The reason we smoke cools, no one will bum them from you. Right, of course. Say, you have a cigarette? Okay. Sure. Oh, n- never mind. Right. Or, or what you do, you have a pack of cigarettes on your inside pocket that's full, but you have one, you have a pack that only has one cigarette in it. No one wants to take your last cigarette. Right. <laughs> but I had a lot of friends that smoked OPs. Oh, yeah. I remember those. Oh, other people's cigarettes. Right. Yeah. yeah, I smoked those too for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Whenever uh, you find... You know, burning in the ashtray, on the table. Yeah. Well, my my son finally quit smoking, but he had to buy a a fifty thousand dollar Harley to do it. He said, "If if I if I buy the Harley, on this thing is incredible. I think it's one hundred and thirty inches cubic inches, one hundred and two 
132 cubic inches um, red, and it's just, it's the first toy he has bought for himself in his life, and he's, yeah, he's in his late 40s, and I'm just, my, my first wife was going to have a cow, and I said, don't you dare, he is, you know, he's been a, he's been a single dad for, you know, for his two boys for, you know, for 20 years, he and he's done, an, he's done an incredible job, well, he has a worthless wife, uh, she's, she disappears. She's gone. She's gone for months at a time. She's a druggie, and he, they're going through. They're going through the divorce. But uh, Jim, it, talking with you is always such an adventure. And, yeah. on, and on that, it's, note, like, it's like shifting down into second. Yeah, just off road. On yeah. that note, we got to say good night to you, Mr. Jim. And I got I have to go and uh, have dinner. So uh, adios, uh, uh, aloha, and I will talk to you guys later. We love you, aloha, Jim. Jim. We love you, Jim. Goodall, everybody. What a legend. What an absolute legend. Thank you tonight to Jeff Steve Garvey, Mennonite Abe, another Jeff, Tim, and W. Decker for the Super Chats. Here we go, everyone, with the third hour. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Goluptious. Goluptious is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight as we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller is here for another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. Before I begin this story, I want to say that this story is 100% true and occurred about 9 months ago. My friends and I used to love urban exploring in high school. We had gone to many places in or around our town and were somewhat experienced at this point. We decided to revisit this abandoned mental asylum on this cold, wintry night. This place was huge and very remote for apparent reasons. When I say it was huge, I mean it was the size of a small college campus in the middle of the woods. So my four friends and I arrived at this asylum around midnight. It was freezing this night, so we planned on staying inside as much as possible. Not that that would really help with all the busted windows. We started our journey across the campus to check out some of the buildings we missed the last time we had visited. 
For some background, most buildings were eradicated, windows smashed, and everything inside was trashed and graffitied. However, a few buildings still had windows, which meant they were probably staying more warm inside. So we explored two significant school-like buildings, and it was relatively uneventful. We cracked jokes, took pictures and videos, and had fun overall. This was when we decided to explore one of the smaller two-story buildings. This building was completely overgrown, but was mostly intact. All the windows were present, except for one with a sound-sized hole in the glass. The back and side door was locked, but we managed to force the front door open. As we were about to enter, we noticed one of those metal food trays that people usually put a salad in at parties next to the door. We honestly didn't really think much of it. We had seen a lot of weird things while exploring, and this was nowhere near the top of that list if I'm going to be real with you. We entered and started walking around, shining our flashlights everywhere, every which way. The inside of this building was trashed. Contrary to the outside, the first floor had a lot of dust in the air. So three of my friends decided to head out front and wait for my other friend, who I'll call Jason, for this story and me. After finding nothing extraordinary in the basement or the first floor, we headed upstairs. As we turned to head up the stairs, we noticed the stairs were clogged with chairs and furniture, making it incredibly challenging to maneuver our way up. This should have been another red flag, but of course we're too naive. Like, why would an area be blocked off if it wasn't for a good reason? We checked out a couple of office-type rooms and found some astounding paperwork and stuff that had been left behind. One room was gone when we reached to the end of the side of the hall. This door was closed, which was not unusual, so we tried the handle. It was locked. We tried option two, which was to kick, but nothing. Last, we tried to body the door open, and it, it just wouldn't move. We said screw it and went to check on the other side of the second floor, but we heard the door creak open as we turned to walk. We turned and looked to confirm, but it was not open far enough to see anything more than the pitch black room inside. We pause for a second, and as we stand there confused, the door flings open. We see movement, obviously a person in dark clothing. We both turn and sprint to the stairs, jumping about 10 to 12 steps over the mountain of trash on the stairs. Our friends, in sight of the stairs at the front door, see us do this slightly confused for a second, but quickly picked up on what was happening. We all ran the probable mile back to the car, absolutely freezing our asses off. Once we got to the car, we warmed up and explained what had happened to our friends. We determined it was probably a homeless person taking shelter in that building since it was somewhat warm compared to the 20 degrees outside. Nevertheless, still a scary experience because we have no idea what that person's intentions were when they flung that door open on us. We don't think they chased us, but they were not catching us as we were all high school athletes and we were and we were high on adrenaline. We have gone back since, but have not gone near that particular building. I want to stress that when exploring urban areas, watch for signs of people living in places as you never know how they might react. Smart lesson from Swamp Dweller tonight on Spaced Out Radio as the Swamp Dweller kicks off hour number three of every show here, Monday through Friday night. And if you want more spooky stories, all you got to do is head on over to Swamp Dweller Reads on YouTube. That's youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads. And even more excitement, tomorrow night, our guest is Swamp Dweller. So do we actually have to play a story in our number three? I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it on out. Yeah, we will. Let's get to the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know.
little Timmy Senor. They call him the Tim Bit. Hey, very, very big news in my town this weekend, my friend. Tim Hortons reopened. Tim Hortons reopened. And uh, that is very, very important for many of us around here, man. Good to have you back, Tim. Glad to be back. Thanks for the vacation. And glad to see you're going to be diving back into donuts because it's a big, big part of life up there in the great white north. Those Tim bits. I just wish it would stop snowing. (laughs) I don't think it's going to. You live in BC, buddy. That was a choice. Yeah. (laughs) Enjoy. Yeah. 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 Shoveling. Is that what you do? Shovel. Did a lot of that today. Did a lot of that today and forgot my winter boots at home. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So here I am in my sketcher, uh, penny loafers. Oh. Okay. And my feet. I, I don't so- like that visual. No. You must have been freezing. Uh, you know what? It, it, the good part about it, it was dry snow, but it still melts. Oh, okay. Was it heavy or the light stuff? Shoveling light stuff. Yeah. At least I had my gloves. Didn't forget those. Did not forget those. Never forget those. So, uh, you know, it's another UFO week kicking off with some uh, breaking news earlier this evening. And Mm -hmm. let's get right to it. You know, I mean, UAPX made some not so good news a week ago or so where they announced that they would not be doing any more interviews unless you paid them $600. Now they're in the news again for part of their study. Take it away, Tim. Yep. So UAPX has released a statement on three. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases. So you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations at AmericanExpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold. Built for business by American Express. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ambiguous events featured in the film A Tear in the Sky. And so released as of December 12th, 2022, UAPX Inc., a federal nonprofit scientific research organization based in Florida, which uses advanced sensor suite to study UAP, filling the specific gap identified by the UAP task force to report delivered to Congress in the summer of 2021. And so during, and this is their quote, during our first expedition, We recorded scientific and actionable data from multiple visual sensors, such as visual imagery, infrared imagery, and radiological measurements, and other sensors, modalities, and previously unknown atmospheric event. Our data and methods fill a gap 
in the scientific knowledge of this phenomenon caused by the lack of high-quality unclassified data. And so no other known civilian scientific research organization maintains that amount of quality data regarding potential UAPs as UAPX. And then we have in this release uh, a following three disclaimers. And within these three disclaimers, I'll just give you the headlines and not the fine print. UAPX rules of engagement with the phenomenon include context that can be dangerous. UAP's results will be op- second is UAP's UAPX's results will be open access to the entire world without restriction. However, however, we cannot guarantee that all of our results will always be published in a scientific journal as we don't control the editorial processes. And we do pledge to you that we will get our results at will always. Okay, and so the third disclaimer is that UAPX will only review, analyze, and present opinions on our own data. And although a UAPX appreciates and encourages and respects anyone who dives into this murky world of understanding our existence and the phenomena at large, we do not accept previously recorded captured data from outside sources. And so just to continue on, we can dive into the results from the likely explanations uncovered for two ambiguities found at the Laguna Beach slash Catalina expedition as recorded in the film by Carolyn Corey, A Tear in the Sky. And so uh, as filmed, the first is a non-blinking quiet spheroid shape observed over the city of Avalon, on Catalina Island, Wednesday night, July 14, 2021, using night vision goggles. Our research suggests that the object was most likely the ISS, or International Space Station, and unrelated to both the object observed in the OSIRIS vehicle later that same night, as well as the collection of cold temperature pixels in the FLIR observed at approximately the same time. And so, moving forward, we can read some more of the evidence that they provide to show that this is just the ISS. And they have multiple explanations, including false color meanings, readings, and uh, streaks uh, of what they would consider Tic Tacs being explained as rain. And so it's interesting to see that some of the conclusions professed in the film to be anomalous are now being semi-redacted and being emphasized is probably explainable, uh, concluding by emphasizing that the event recorded in the UFO DAP system at approximately 4 a.m. on Friday, July 16th, remains ambiguous. It is still the most interesting of the remaining ambiguities without explanation. And so they do go through some possibilities of mundane explanations, but it is still very interesting results to see in this very brief post that they have posted here, which is really only just really a few uh, paragraphs. Dave, what was your response when you read this break? Well, I was talking to Nicole Sackage right before the show, and, you know, she is very tied into what's going on in the UFO community. And she brought up a very good point. One of the big interesting things about this is the International Space Station. 
you're spending over a million dollars of Caroline Corey's money to create a tear in the sky. Let's say a million dollars. You have professional scientists out there, professionals who know what's in the sky. How the hell do you not realize two years after filming that it's the International Space Station? Indeed. Okay. Um, just but, to kind of, yeah, please no, continue. No, I, I want to go off on this for a second because yeah. it's ridiculous. Now, I'm not judging the work of Kevin Knuth or Rich Hoffman or Matthew Sedegas. They are brilliant. Okay? They are brilliant. But if you're setting up a skywatch for multiple days in a row, are you not going to find out what days the International Space Station is flying over, if it is, or Elon Musk's satellite system? Okay? Are you not going to find that out first? All you have to do is click an app. That's it. Or go on your iPhone, click on Safari. Where is the International Space Station? Where is Starlink? Okay, it tells you. So I'm a little disappointed that with that brain power that they have, and I'm not using that to say that uh, facetiously, but with the brain power they have, I'm a little disappointed that we're getting swamp gas instead of real answers. The ISS does not take two years, number one. And number two, they should have known. They should have known. Hell, I'm an amateur sky watcher. But I sure as hell know that when I see a big bright white light coming and ripping through the sky, I know it's the International Space Station. Seen it enough times. So I'm a little unsure about that, Tim. A little unsure. How about you? Um... I mean, I, I'm in the same boat, but um, I always have those apps and things like that ready. So my policy with my crew is just film everything and um, have somebody there. If you're filming something interesting, have a buddy while you're filming, checking all of the other tools. Like we always work in pairs, so we're able to kind of like rule things out. Um, but if it's something interesting, and even if it is ISS and we capture it, it would be made in our notes, right? And so um, it would easily be something that we'd be able to go back that night and be like, oh, that was definitely this but, uh, or that. And it would have gotten ruled out, I think, before it made any results for a film. I don't want to make this sound like it's a shot at Caroline Corey, the lady who made the movie, okay? Well, she wasn't but, really um, the one gathering the data no, but, for the, for the here, program, right? But here's the thing. Lawyer Michael W. Hall is not a skywatcher. Agent and producer Dave Altman is not a skywatcher. Chrissy Newton, who had only been in the field for about four months at that point, was not a skywatcher. You might want to tip off if you have that many rookies staring up at the sky, being your official watchers for a multi million dollar movie you may want to make sure that they know about the International Space Station. You may want to make sure that they know 
about Starlink. It's just I, I'm baffled. I am I am absolutely baffled. That it made this far into the results. And and Nicole brings up a good point in our chat room. UAPX identified helicopters and planes, but not the International Space Station. Super point. I mean Yeah. Yeah. Um, they do leave this as an ambiguous result as far as the UFO DAP goes, um, which feels like they could have gotten more information if it's been this long. Um, we know how, for example, Tom King, who runs a live UFO DAP and shares his results almost instantly. Um, I think it's pretty obvious how you can go about doing some research and using your peer group to do so. I don't know how they did that, but leaving, um, you know, coming out with a lot of results and still having something so anomalous and leaving it as ambiguous is a little bit frustrating. Um, you know, but they're also not through all the data. I believe they are only through last I heard from a couple weeks ago, they were only through, 10, 15% of it. Right. Right. And it's cool making mistakes too. Like here's, I mean, absolutely, you know, and, and coming forward and being like, Oh, it was just this. That's great. Um, you know, we definitely appreciate that sort of thing and, and understand as well that the documentary documentary was presented, um, without any real conclusion that this was just the first step and this was showing how these scientists were going about collecting data. So the documentary stands, I think, 100% on its own and the investigators and all of the players within it. I thought it was a great, great documentary, personally. Oh, I, I thought um, so, too. I, yeah, I, and I in fact, I, I enjoyed the investigators chosen. I wouldn't have really changed it because this was really the first foray publicly into it, right? with that kind of documentary around it with those kind of people and with those kind of tools. So I thought this was great. Um, But again, it's just, it's frustrating to find two paragraphs of results without a lot of data and then kind of coming up with a very ambiguous conclusion and then writing off very rapidly their two out of the three results. Um, You know, that, that, that reads that um, a lot of this could have been weeded out before it hit the film. Um, at the same rate, a lot of that stuff can look anomalous when you're looking at it in the sky. And I can't tell you how many times I have seen things and been like, oh, my gosh, and then been like, oh. <laughs> well, we got, two, you know? we got two minutes to go. I'm going to throw a controversial question at you. You know, okay. there, there was a very public spat between members of UAPX and Caroline Corey uh, right before the film was made. Do you think that there might be any residual spite left over from that, considering the two sides are no longer working together in order to place doubt or viewership in her documentary? Oh, I don't think so at all. I think you're looking at every player being as professional as possible. There may be underlying animosity, but I think people are so public and so interested in this topic that they're getting past that. And they're really just putting their best foot forward. I do feel that this is their best foot forward. Um, And it's a great example of an independent company coming forth. They want to present to Congress. I think they've got the absolute right idea. So, 
do I think that any animosity is leading them astray in their data? No, I do not. No. Well, you know what? We will soon see, you know, because, and let's hope that is the case. Let's, let's hope that is the case. Uh, Nicole has a question here for you. What do we think of former military experiencers making excellent observers now? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of like if you're keeping up on the topic and you're sharp, absolutely, you're still an, a trained observer. The same way a retired police officer still has the trained eye as the officer that's uh, in training or active. So um, when retired military come forward with a current sighting or something, I think it's absolutely valid. Um, my family is an example of retired military that had a sighting and then allowed me to come forward. You got that right. Little Timmy Senor, the Timbit, will be back with more of the UFO report when we return on Spaced Out Radio right after this. Stay tuned. We got some great news coming up for you after the break. God damn, am I craving cheesies right now? Like uh, Cheetos? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Cheese puffs? That's a love thing. Love cheesy poofs, cool. man. Cheesy poofs. How do you not <laughs> love cheesy poofs? Hey, Thurston Howell the Third. Magnolia, you're right on the money. I'm looking at the chat tonight. So if anyone wants to throw anything, feel free. I've learned how to read the chat. Good. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Goodall. Huh? Oh. oh, how fantastic was he tonight? And his voice, I could just I could just fall asleep to those stories. They're so good. And he never repeats himself. He and uh oh, so many details. Oh, he, he wait till you meet him in person. I can't wait. Cannot he wait. He is and Michael Strat too, but yeah, Jim. Oh yeah. Legend. And I've got two of his books, so I'm excited to get those signed. Very cool. Yeah. I think most of our audience has probably read at least one of his. Even if you didn't know it, you probably did. Oh, yeah. Jim, everybody should have a Jim Goodall book. Yeah. Favorite uh, Grateful Dead pianist is Brent Midland. I was at his last show in Ohio. Julie. Yeah. That was rough. Part of the great deception, do I think this? What exactly? Oh, the the slowdown on information? Baby boy's asking a pretty good question. I don't know though. I don't know. That that's more Dave. What's the question? Do you think this could be part of the great deception? 
UFOs? Uh, no. 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 Hi, Terrible Times. No. No, no great deception. Just a great BS detector. Do I think that we've been lied to on this topic for at least 75 years in the creation of... Yes. I mean, yes. 100%. Uh, Why Um, not? Uh, Because... They think they're smarter than us than than what the and that don't give us credit for us doing our homework and figuring everything else out. I know that sounds yeah, really think, vague, but yeah, and I think they also think that we have short term memories. Yes, you know where we don't remember what they just said or what they just did or what they just printed or what the Navy released or you know what the New York Times said. Like, why is the New York Times not following up on the Navy videos now that we've SCU has released the fact that the rubber duck video is absolutely UAP in their opinion? SCU that should be New York Times front page news, mm. in my opinion. It's because it didn't come from Tom DeLong, right? Right, I guess I need to go lead a band for a while. Get back nice? into it. Get back into it. I wish I could, had that ability to say, "Hey, you know, I uh, I played the UFO game for a while, and lost a bunch of money, and now I'm going to go make my money back and go on a world tour, reunite with my band, and uh, go make myself uh, by the time the tour ends about forty, fifty million in my pocket." Look at this great mug. It's massive. But look, it's Pinky and the Brain. Love it. Love it. Isn't that great? That is beautiful. It's so classic. I don't know if you guys can read that. but no, What does that say? On the inside, it says, warning, the contents of this receptacle are being monitored and the results will be reported to your superior. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> Tim, hold on. we got 15 seconds. Thank you tonight to Jeff. Mennonite Abe, W. Decker, Tim, and Jeff again for the Super Chats. Very much appreciate the love, everyone. Here we go. Final half hour. Now. Round of third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate hurting your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss most of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. 
We continue on with the UFO report tonight. Our main man, the Timbit, Tim Senor, is here breaking things down for us. And, Tim, a real interesting article that we actually posted on uh, our own Twitter regarding fusion technology. Could we be getting a little bit further ahead, my friend? Taking little steps, but it's pretty massive in the world. And so it's kind of considered a Wright Brothers moment for a lot of people that have been watching what's going on in nuclear fusion. And so just announced today, Lawrence Livermore Lab um, announced that a key achievement has been has happened in fusion research and a laser light was focused onto a target the size of a BB, which resulted... From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points gap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business-gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. In a hot spot, the diameter of a human hair generating more than 10 quadrillion watts of fusion power, which is just for a hundred trillionth of a second. And in their recent statement, they're saying the development is being cheered by industry watchers, but there's still quite a long way to go before fusion will be commercially viable. And so Lawrence Livermore Laboratory in Northern California announced a key achievement in fusion research. They're calling it Tuesday, but it was actually today. And so fusion, fusion, the lesser known of the opposite reaction to nuclear fission, is when two atoms slam together to form a heavier atom and release its energy. And it's kind of the way the sun makes energy, right? And so... It's still not totally practical because, unfortunately, it seems that it's taking just about the same amount of energy to create fusion right now as the distribution of energy that's being released. So there's quite a long way to go, but this is going to be a job for the engineers at this point. But at the same rate, this is a massive first step to see that this has actually finally been created. And for the people that have been following it, this has been a long journey with a lot of people that have come and gone working on this topic. And so some of the new images that Lawrence Livermore Lab has released are absolutely astounding to see that they have created what is basically a big sphere where the uh, atoms collide, creating this hairline piece of fusion. And it's incredible. Anyone that's interested can go to uh, CNBC, for example, and see some of the images that they've released. And um, you can actually see some of the uh, technology taking place in the interior target chamber, which is this massive spherical blue ball. It's just like magic. And Dave, to someone like me, 
um, it's really exciting. Uh, you know, it's a pretty big step in the right direction. And so, you know, possibly at some point, uh, a nice energy option and potentially even a way to get to Mars. Well, you know what? We're going to need a better system than what we have right now in order to try and make Mars a reality. Now, the idea behind it is how do you control it? Because in the end, all this is great, but if you cannot control it, you are literally going to be driving right past Mars and maybe next stop Jupiter, you know, with a little uh, left turn at Neptune. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's a, it's a step in the right direction, but there sure is a long way to go with that, Tim. Right. But you got to know the big picture is an option that would be clean burning energy and a potentially, you know, a free alternative for us to use. Now, how far along that goes, we'll never know, but it's a nice option to oil and coal and some of the resources that we've been depleting off of our planet. This would be something that would be a viable option if it was made commercially viable. True, true. It's well, a long way off still. Oh, yeah. We're, that's at least 30 to 60 years, at least. Because you're, we'll going, to, you're yeah. going to need that technology to get to Mars, 100%. If that's the goal, you're going to need it. could use it for so many things, but yes, absolutely. Um, used as an engine absolutely a fusion engine it's very exciting all right let's move on here to your next topic tonight okay as we continue on with the ufo report and there are apparently uap related provisions on the final proposed 2023 national defense authorization act oh you're going for the biggie that's the biggie let's do it yeah okay uh, so the preliminary look at the UAP-related provisions of the final proposed 2023 Defense Authorization Act was just posted on December 6th. And so the PDF document has been released and people are able to go online and read. But a lot of the UAP-related provisions found in this version are kind of highlighted, and there's three in particular that are very interesting. Some of them are detailed in this following article that I'm going to be covering, but I want to just kind of get people to understand there's a lot of wordage that has changed without a lot of the big intention. And somewhere buried deep inside here, you're going to find that they have given themselves an almost extra two years to give us as a public some real information. They want to also highlight the fact that they are renaming it again and will probably have another name for it after the new year. And so, Dave, I'm going to have you hop in here at one moment while I dig into this a little further. But what was your first take on some of the door opening information that was revealed in this first reveal? I have no idea, Tim. I have no idea. Uh, I, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm going to put it this way. I'll believe it when I see it. I will believe it when I see it. You know, right. they're not wanting to give anything up. All the sources that I am talking to right now, uh, 
and I've talked about three or four people over since the weekend about this. You know, this thing is going to be more bland than hospital cooking. This thing's going to be more bland than beige walls right through your house. Right. Some of the committee actions, quote unquote, are renaming and modifying it to the Unidentified Aerospace Undersea Phenomenon Joint Program Office. So we can't really tighten that into anything very tight. We're back to, uh, you know, renaming the office to discourage anyone following any correspondence and further along an amendment by Senator Blunt and co-sponsored by Vice Chairman Rubio and Senators Gillibrand and Heinrich to require Comptroller General historical compilations of unidentified aerospace undersea phenomena records. And so they're establishing some history and requiring the comptroller to go through some historical records. It's um, one more action that this committee is putting together that feels about as bland as oatmeal. I couldn't agree with you more. No, I, I like oatmeal. I, I wouldn't uh, put oatmeal <laughs> up, to, up to this, but no, the reality is this report is going to come out when it comes out, when they feel like it's going to come out. You know, I heard a couple of weeks ago that Ross Coltart, when he was on this show, believed that it was coming out possibly around this week or sometime before Christmas. Don't see it yet. Every day we get a little bit closer. You know, I just don't understand what the holdup is. It, it can't be Chinese drones, Tim. Can't be Chinese drones. All right. What is the whole? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have a buddy that has been reviewing this and part of his notes. And I, I think this is actually a good note and I'll just read it. Um, is that the companion to 2023 intelligence authorization act, which was originally a separate bill is now folded into this final 2023 NDAA bill. So it doesn't have to be voted on and passed separately. Um, I think that's a great point. You know, it's just another way to mask in other information. Um, but they, uh, the Senate had already passed it back in July, along with its amendments. And now the, the House had to re-vote on it because of all the amendments that are being added to it. Um, you know, it's another way of just prolonging this topic until people, A, lose interest or the people that are voting on it are no or are interested um, are voted out of their office. They're just playing the waiting game. It's incredibly frustrating, you know. And so when you ask the question, is this just part of the big picture, you know, of deception, like your audience member asked, something like this absolutely is, you know, and the fact that they're disguising um, their inability to put forward uh, the, the public portion of this is another way of them just waiting this topic out. It's incredibly frustrating. Oh yeah. And we're going to be, you know, look, as we've said to people right off the bat, dude, don't expect anything much out of this. Don't. All right. Be prepared to be disappointed. They've already said they don't want to give us anything. Just take it for what it's yeah. worth and let it be. No point getting upset. No point in working yourself up. 
when you know already it's going to be a bust. Yeah. Going to be and a I bust. wanted to, to thank, thank Mateo for his notes on this tonight. I appreciate his deep dive and we can absolutely talk on this further because there's quite a bit hidden within this. Um, and they do discuss UAP, but again, it's another way for them to just wait this topic out and push it off to the side. They do not want this to be in the public eye. They really don't. What do I got to do to convince you to get UAP out of your vocabulary? Oh, yeah. Well, only because everything I'm reading is UAP, right? I'm being programmed. I'm a UFO guy. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know that I prefer UFO. It's just when I'm reading the news, it's all written UAP. And so that's the language being used. Right. It's incredibly frustrating. And just like the program's about to change, change you're going to start hearing me saying APRO accidentally because that's going to be null and void here soon too. Uh -huh. So, yeah, I will start reprogramming myself just to say UFO every time I see UAP. No, oh, I agree. I know. I'm just teasing you. <laughs> I'm just teasing you with that tonight. All right. right. Let's uh, let's get to another story that you have oh, here. Uh, okay. U.S. Air Force unidentified anomalous phenomena reporting classified. What's this all about? Right. So National Air and Space Intelligence Center mandated to analyze reporting of UAP, sorry, UFO from across the defense and intelligence communities. Sites harm to national security as a reason for ob obfuscation. And so, of course, National Air and Space Intelligence Center, NISIC, is located and storied at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio, once the home to the United States Air Force Project Blue Book. Investigation into unidentified objects, or UFOs, mandated by Congress back then in the 60s. And so now we're finding that the incursions that are unexplained objects at times exhibit extraordinary capabilities within military training ranges and other sensitive airspace are now the counterparts of the Navy and are subscribed to controversial relationships of information that are unable to be shared to the public via its reporting system, and now they're negotiating it to be considered classified. And so everything that's coming through the anomalous reporting system is going to be manda mandated to be analyzed before anything can be made public to intelligence communities and sites, again, that this is harm and potentially a national security threat. It's in there. <laughs> of course it is. So, 
Dave, it's just one more wrench, one more absolute publication coming out reinforcing that they are not going to be sharing any information with the public and maybe not even within themselves. How are they going to report even to themselves with this? Well, I mean, we do know that they are going to be reporting to themselves. Right. But if it comes in classified at a certain level, it's going to be a need to know, even for the researchers that are going in there trying to get this as, you know, you know what I mean? If it's national security, even the people that do have slight access and are supposed to be doing the reports for the public, they're not even going to get access to the classified information because most of those people are based on need to know. So again, it's that whole classified system, classification system rather, that's going to play the big role here in us not getting any information. Well, I I understand that, but the U.S. Air Force has always been right up front with the fact that they don't care. They are doing it their way, their way only, and they are only going to to allow themselves on a need-to-know basis who gets to uh, know their information. That's it. That's all. And they haven't changed their game plan at all. I mean, I look at this story, and I look at a reporter that obviously has had no clue of what's going on in this field. Gee, why is the Air Force talking? Well, if you've been following it, they've told you to shut the hell up. They don't want anything to do with it, right? I mean, there's nothing new here. And this is the problem that we're having with all of these mainstream stories. They're writing, but they're giving us nothing. There's millions of UFO stories there, out there. Millions. I'm not going to call it lazy journalism. I'm not going to call it that because D. Dean Johnson works very, very hard. Brian Bender works very, very hard. Okay, many others have as well. Daniel Otis is another one. You know, but tell me, would you sooner read an article about the U.S. Air Force for the million and eighth time telling us they aren't reporting on UFOs? Or would you rather read an article where you have Canadian government officials who are speaking about this topic publicly and get their reaction, a differing reaction, as to what's going on north of the border regarding UFOs? Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it speaks to their approach to the topic, right? Um, I don't think that threat really came in uh, into the the media or anyone's mouth from Canada. I don't remember that word ever being used. Um, Now, I do remember things like incursions and things like that with the assumption over power stations and things like that, that they could be problematic. But I don't think that the word threat was ever used. I don't think that anything, there was no pressure ever involved. I think it was more just investigative. And um, I think that highlights the big difference between how the United States handled this topic and Canada. Oh, very true. Very true. You know, but in, in, in the sad part about it is, in the United States, you have many of the top university uh, scientists looking into this. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're coming. Yeah, to, in fact, you don't hear the scientists. You don't hear Gary Nolan or Avi Loeb or Kevin Knuth or Rich Hoffman or anybody on the SCU coming in talking about threats. Right, right, right. And in fact, you see Santa Cruz astronomers have just jumped into the search for life in alien worlds. And so open science is allowing researchers there to dissect data from the new science uh, from the new NASA telescope, and um, they're getting a first crack at everything that's coming from James Webb Telescope right now, and they're starting to release data from as late as November, and so we're able to get absolutely updated information from independent astronomers coming from UC Santa Cruz that are getting first looks at some of the stuff coming in from James Webb. So you're absolutely right. We need more of that. I agree. I agree. Question is, will we get it? That I don't know. Absolutely. That I don't know. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun, Dave. Should I get out of here? No, no. I I feel like it's like getting up there. Do you? I got you for another minute. I'm going to, you know, I pay you big bucks for this, man. I know. I'm trying to get out of here. I I got a thing. At this time of night, you have a thing. Oh, I've got a thing. Yeah, forget about it. Oh, no, no. And I'm glad your radio audience is getting to hear that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Tim is blushing red right now. Is Mrs. Timbit, (laughs) be honest, is Mrs. Timbit ringing the bell? Uh, You nailed it there, buddy. Yep, you you got it. Well, apparently I'm not going to be the one who's nailing it. But that's for another night and another discussion on Spaced Out Radio with the UFO Report. With Tim just blushed. Little Timmy Seymour. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you for keeping us updated. We'll talk to you in a couple nights. It's been fun, guys. We'll see you soon. It really has. And thank you, Big Bad Tim. So we say goodnight to you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll boot him out of the room. He's got his business to take care of right then and there. So, you know, we say uh, thank you to Tim for updating us on making sweet love to his wife at the end of the show. So he had to run. And thank you tonight to Swamp Dweller for another amazing story where he takes us down the spooky road. Swamp Dweller will be back tomorrow. And, of course, Jim Goodall, aviation historian. We're making things so, so interesting. Talking about the B-21 Raider and every aircraft that is out there right now. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everyone sitting in our chat rooms tonight. Sit at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be, and in our chat rooms at YouTube, Spreaker, LGAP, Twitch, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, make a mistake. We're watching. We own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home.
Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we got room for them, too. Good night. From cloud storage to cold storage, hardware to tableware, business expenses look different to every business. With American Express Business Gold, you get four times membership rewards points on your top two eligible spending categories each month, like select shipping and advertising purchases, so you can enjoy looking forward to great rewards. Terms and points cap apply. Learn more, including important category limitations, at americanexpress.com slash business dash gold. Amex Business Gold, built for business by American Express. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 